are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is, uh, he's on assignment, but Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss the movies legally. However, every now and then, we'll have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks, or something a little different, but this is uh, one of our fun commentary tracks, and it's the beginning of Superhero Summer, uh, where we'll be talking about multiple superhero films in commentary track form for the next few months, and uh, the plan for this month of May 2023 is to talk X2 X-Men United, the 2003 sequel to X-Men, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. That's wild to think about. And uh, joining... God! <laughs> and joining the me... World to... I know is no more! <laughs> joining us to do our commentary for X2, we have from Wise of the Blue and host of the Brandon Peter Show... You know all those dangerous mutants you hear about in the news? He's the worst one. It's Brandon Peters. Hello, hello. This uh, Adamantium is ready to talk about Lady Deathstrike. Also I don't joined... know. That was really dumb. <laughs> also joining us from The rap. He's never tried not being a mutant. It's Scott Mendelson. Hello. So I figure we've spent the last 10 years doing commentaries for a deluge of mediocre to crappy superhero films. This summer, we're doing the good ones. Well, we we are talking one of the good ones for sure. I, I would say this would qualify, yeah, yeah, for sure. And funny enough, what much like our Matrix Revolution uh, re, uh, Reloaded commentary, we've already done commentary tracks for X Men and X Three, the last stand. So now we're finally getting to X Two. For whatever reason, that's the order we've decided to go in. Um, yeah, so we, we we've done it. We were similar to like Alien, right? Did we do Alien like we did it like all we did like Alien Three. Then aliens, then alien, then alien um resurrection. <laughs> yeah, and you had done alien versus predator. Requiem. We did, yeah, we did, yeah, requiem first, obviously, because that made sense. And we've uh, done predator too, but not predator. Yes, we've done predator. I and if I recall, you did. We did Batman Forever, then Batman, then Batman Returns. Yes, also true. And then we finally did Batman and Robin. Yes, um, best for last. So we really. We're crushing it in, in terms of what we're, we're, we're making Keeps things we're, interesting. We're putting machete order to shame is what I'm saying. Um, so there that's it. We're still what two star Wars is away from. Well, we haven't done the spin or the, the, the side calls at all, whatever we call those. Um, but we've done all the prequels. We've done all the regular ones we haven't, but we haven't done eight or nine as of yet. Uh, nine, especially that Scott's very much oh, God. doing for a commentary one day. <laughs> Hey, you want to have some fun? Get my get Allison on to do Frozen Two. Jesus Christ, she still complains about that movie four years later. A swerve I was not expecting, but okay, keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what we are going to do today is talk about X Two, X Men United. Uh, currently, Brandon Scott and myself have the film paused at five seconds in. It's right where the 20th Century Fox logo is forming, sports with uh, spotlights and all that. Uh, so I'm going to count down from the sound of from the count of three and on the sound of go, we're going to press play and just start talking about this movie. So if you plan to follow along five seconds in, pause the movie, press play when I say go and you're good to go. Uh, if you plan to listen, just to listen, uh, you've already gotten like three minutes of gold right here. There's going to be more of that for another uh, 132 minutes. Or something like that. So... Actually, it's going to peak right now. Sorry. Three minutes of adamantium, <laughs> which is more valuable than gold. Aaron. Mm-hmm. It's no unobtonium. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but it's the is it? I don't know. Some geek, some comic geek knows this answer, right? Adamantium <laughs> versus unobtainium, <laughs> like a uh, periodic versus, table of bullshit elements from versus Sean. um, what's it? What's Wakanda, what's Wakanda's thing? Um, vibranium, yes, uh, and kryptonite. 
let us know in the comments on the codeofzeke.com. Kryptonite seems pretty shatterable, though. Like, that's splitting up all the time. Like, that, uh, it's not the shattering problem. It's the the residual effects that make it the difference. This matters. Um, All right, let's move on from this. Let's get to our commentary. All right, let's do this. It's Uh, poisonous to Kryptonians, but delicious to humans. (laughs) Okay, counting down. Three, two, one, go. X-Men. All right, now we're getting to the 20th Century Fox logo. You know what that means. Watch that X. Because when it goes goes. down, the X gets that extra half second of a glimmer. Here we go. It's special. It's coming. It's coming. And it's like the darkest letter right now. Mm -hmm. But it's just the light. There it is. It's it's so so minimal, too. It is is frames. Now, this wasn't the first time they did the flip logo, right? I think Blade 2, I believe. Yeah, it was Blade, yeah. yeah. But I still think it's maybe the coolest Marvel logo. I, I like the. I always like the flipping one. Blade, Blade Two, uh, Blood Hunt, as it was when it came to home video. Is, oh, is that its official home video? I know it's like international. It's called that or something, right? It was on the DVD when it came out. It was a Blade Two Blood Hunt, and I was like, well, it was not called that when I saw it in the theater. That's fun because this title also like changed. I think it, it fairly wasn't far X-Men along. United it was, until it was X, the yeah, like release, right? It was like X squared for the longest. That's what I remember it as. X. I like, remember the yeah. second power. <laughs> I remember unite X Men United. I didn't notice till like TV spots maybe a week before or week. Yeah, that they start adding like, the wait. subtitle. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's an interesting title it, it makes sense. Which it is makes weird. Sense. It makes sense, but it's for one thing, it's just it's just obvious, but also it's. It's weird because it's like it's not an SEO time at that point, so it's like, what were they? Tra- I guess just user I, interest, <laughs> like well, just making it was sure like, it's clear. It's like someone came up, was like, "All right, X two, that's where we are," mm-hmm. uh, and it's not here. Um, and it's like, okay, uh, can how about X Men two? Like, no, it's got to be X two. Why? It, it I it's got to be X. Well, people, people need to know it's X Men. Before we well, get way past it, let me just say I always like these Brian Singer opening credit things that he does with the. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one's this is a banger right here. I like this not, not so just good. the opening, no, not just the scene. I mean, like the little oh. credit logo thing, like the whole visual effects stuff that they do. Oh, that they do with like Spider Man as well. Well, like that, like, like in the first X Men, and this and one, then three has it, and then um, then it goes away, and then Days of Future Past brings it back. It's like I okay. like that little like with the score and everything. It's like that's nice. It's very two yeah. thousands. <laughs> yeah, I think they all the Marvel movies had their own rendition of that right except for blade well all the, the most of the marbles like they had opening credit sequences right like, yeah this one is just like let's have a weird montage of visual effects say the title and then get into the movie oh okay, okay, okay i get you yeah yeah but this opening sequence though is um I oh, was the, like, well, well, this opening this sequence, sequence was I, fuck you we have money this time well this yeah is a, I, I love this shot right here by the way too with the him framed against kennedy i was like, like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen dubbed with nightcrawler like i was like I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow!" Oh, let me tell you right now. Like Nightcrawler is my guy. Like Nightcrawler yeah. was has been always my favorite mutant. I still have the, my Nightcrawler toy from this movie to the right of me, like above my, mm-hmm. my, my one of my bookshelves. Uh, Nightcrawler's been because he, he's you know he's a minority within X Men already a minority. Right. <laughs> so I'm like sitting there like this guy he can teleport. He's got a backstory. Like I'm all about this Nightcrawler. So the fact that they brought him here and gave him like the one of the best intros you can ask for in a superhero movie that yeah even now like yeah it rocks it, this whole sequence is great i was like man this is uh, i because Nightcrawler's like i always always cool stuff but like and the teleporting things like 
but this took it a whole new level. I'm like, oh, somebody realized the possibilities of this really well, like carrying it from comic book to cartoon to screen. Like it felt really cool. Well, it really it reflects that well in the the DVD release of this film initially because it's like very extensive on like all the all the stuff. And this mm -hmm. one in particular, they have like a whole multi scene thing where you can watch all the different stages, like storyboards, behind the scenes, the final product, and watch them all side to side. So you really get a sense of like how they plan this sequence out, which is just really cool if you're like interested in film and stuff. Back when studios were like, hey, people should care about how movies are made. Or people yeah. <laughs> did care about how movies were made and respect and the... it. Look, Curtis Manning. Curtis yeah. Manning, 24. Of course, um... Curtis Manning, yep. <laughs> and the advent of, you know, DVD special features and how informative and unique they could be from having multi-angle yeah. things or what have you. So it was like I've... really cool to watch. Like even just like the bit where like they go through like the the um the door the door eye hole thing and it's mm -hmm. like ah there's, there's no reason to have this excess but why not it's cool <laughs> right and and then um the x-men i believe was they at least were one of the first uh the first film to use uh dvd branching uh, yeah where you could watch a yes. alternate cut of the film like fox uh, was big on that mm -hmm. fox was doing that like die hard i think has something oh, similar to that too or, or not, oh i see no, the branching so they have like they, they have that like um that editing gallery, that editing, too. that editing thing where you can like edit scenes yourself to like see yeah. how it works. Mm -hmm. The only problem is there would be a slight loading delay in the the DVD branching, but uh -huh. um, yeah, X Men one point five had like that that whole all that stuff going on. Yeah, but it was really it was really cool and playing with the technology, which um, you know, I'm all for. But the X Men definitely delve into like how cool, cool movie with. A new movie with like showcasing pushing technologies of home video as well with it. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. So I, that so so the, so now that we we obviously it's been years. So we know this is Brian Cox's plan, right? To to have his son use Nightcrawler to frame mutants. I like that his plan included make make sure you have a big knife that says "Mutant Freedom Now" on it, so we have no confusion <laughs> about the motivations for this assassination attempt. <laughs> Um, is this one and, of those? You know, um, make sure Jackman's you, you barely scenes? miss. Yeah, barely, barely. Sorry, what was that? Is this one of those yeah, Hugh Jackman's hair is huge scenes? Yes. There's like a couple reshoots in this movie because he like went on to do Van Helsing, and so his hair like looks noticeably different than other scenes in this movie. It's the Obi Wan's beard of X Two. Yeah, and this is like the mutton chops are huge. <laughs> the hair is, seems a little bit higher than it could be. And this movie is all the all the origins Wolverine we ever would need, and uh, and like <laughs> the fact that they went ahead and made an origins movie after we have all this stuff, like it just feels superfluous, fact, like unnecessary. It, it, I could be mistaken, but I think the origin material in this film was at the time more than you even had in the comics. It was about on par. Yeah, well, about um, on, yeah. Because I knew, because I, I knew like the cartoon and the stuff. Like they, but most I people mean, know. Like if you want to talk about negating the origin story, it's like most people know this already before seeing this movie. So it's like, yeah. what else are we bringing to the table if a new, well, a canon level, <laughs> high energy adventure right. starring Hugh Jackman and Liev Schreiber? <laughs> That's what. And Have we done that commentary? We no, we should <laughs> soon. <laughs> That's a commentary we should do. The one we have next, if we but, if we were to. 
this movie, it's longer than the first one, but it moves at a rapid pace. So we got to like talk about stuff because oh, yeah. there's a lot of interesting things in this movie. But like, so we're, we're at the museum now. But before that, at Alaska or whatever the fuck he's at, the whole thing is he goes there, finds nothing. But then we go back there and it's like, oh, you didn't like step three steps forward and find the secret fucking base. That's right. <laughs> what do you, like, you didn't smell anything? Like there's no guard patrolling or something? Like he missed the entire base by a, by a mile. Like, it's just. Well, I'm like with Stryker, did everybody leave there? Was he like, if, if Logan comes looking around here, get, get him a coffee, have him come in. They also, talk. they like, want, they'd want him. Right. What's right. They just, nobody's tracking this guy. <laughs> Well, it's funny because like the big, you know, you know, one of the cliffhangers for X Men is like he's leaving to go check it out, and then he gets there, he's like, oh, well, nothing here. All right, well, <laughs> that's back it. to X two. I I I wanted to get back and be like, I tried. Listen, wheels. I gave it my hardest. Okay, like, <laughs> I <laughs> I just heal fast and I smell things. I can't just look around in snow. I'm not Nicolas Cage in National Treasure one. Uh, <laughs> Did you find what you were looking for? uh kind of there was a wolf it it was it was literally saying logan follow me through this small hole and i was like no thank you and i left i got back on cyclops's motorcycle got the fuck back to the bitch it was cold i like that uh, motorcycle wasn't a good idea (laughs) i like that all the stylists watched scream 2 before x2 and decided famka jansen just have shorter hair and make it redder she look yeah she's great great here like um Everyone looks good in this picture. This is important I because mean, this is one of Cyclops's four scenes in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, everyone basically gets a glow up, more or less. Um, the trailers were that much better. <laughs> the production. Yeah, I mean, hey, this feels like the prototypical. You know, again, the first film was cheap, even by those standards. And there was a certain we don't know if this is going to work. We're going to make it as efficiently as possible. And then, you know, the film comes out and it's a solid hit. People like it. And then Spider-Man comes out, you know, two years later. And then you've got this fucker and they're like, okay, we got 115 million now. Almost double the budget or you know, a third more the budget. And this film just completely explan- expands the world. And I don't even mean it in terms of mythology because I don't give a shit about that. But in terms of this, this the world feeling lived in and mm-hmm. populated and, and you know, even the scene of the kids just hanging out at the museum like normal kids and and the conversations that take place in the but when they get back to the mansion and everybody just sort of catching up on each other. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it feels like, it feels like a really, really solid, you know, eight episode, eight issue trade paperback arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man, well, much like Peter Parker knows, is like a gift and a curse for movies, right? Because it's like Spider-Man, like Daredevil's biggest problem was that Spider-Man was a hit. Cause like, yes. all right, I guess we'll give it more money. And that money went to like, bad visual effects action sequences <laughs> instead yeah. of like the gritty street level movie that daredevil is entirely fit for uh and but it earned him a killer soundtrack wake me up <laughs> can't wake up and like and scott you mentioned it like yes the first x-men it's not you know it's a site it's a fox blockbuster but it's still like fairly indie given who you're hiring and the kind of money you're giving it compared to Say Planet of the Apes in the same summer, right? Yeah, the same summer, right? Two thousand. They're both two thousand. No, no, no. That was the year. Two thousand one. So yeah, regardless, Um, you know what I'm saying. And it, yeah, yeah. I mean, let me put it. Yeah, yeah. And the the issue there is though, like, we don't do that anymore, right? We don't give Captain Marvel one 
a $80 million budget. We give it $200 million yeah. with directors that do not work in this realm. And, and like, that's the result you get. I'm not saying it's some horrible disaster, but it's like, there's no growing room for these movies. Like they just start up on, yeah. the, on the high. And so you can see where they lack because you have not just these young directors, these young upstarts working like still with their backs to the wall, trying to figure it out. They have everything handed to them. And there's like, nothing to be hungry for. Exactly. Right? Like nothing to be, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, cause it's funny. Cause I remember when the first X-Men came and they showed the cast pictures for the first time. And it was like, who are these people? And what's with those costumes to that movie was awesome. Let's go all X-Men. I'm all in. Like, that's kind of how it, how it went. Like people were not, it wasn't like a sure thing as much as we thought it would be in terms of like quality or reception of quality at the time. And then this one, there was, you know, like, okay, we did it again, but we can't skate by. We can do more. And this one, has a big cast of balance. It it sidelines Marsden, but I think everybody else gets a pretty and decent Stewart. Shake. Stewart, Stewart too, still yeah. gets some some scenes. Just, here. You have to because he's all powerful. Yeah, and he's <laughs> one of the most interesting characters in this whole franchise. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. other thing. <laughs> but the the one thing the one thing I don't get, which it you know proven not true, um, but it, at the times when you made films like this was different, like. I never got the sense that this was the second part or middle chapter of a trilogy and that would be closing in the next one. It oh, felt like yeah, this no. movie felt like it was opening the doors for at least like three more movies. And then after I was so disappointed, it was like, yep, next one, last dance. Sorry, right, we're done. And then the next project's a Wolverine prequel. Like what? Like, like it felt like <laughs> X2 like opened so many opportunities and they're like, you know what? Screw the X-Men. We're done. It's like, weird how, de- I, how decidedly they, much they wanted to be like, let's stop this. It's like, yeah. I, I get like, okay, we can't get Singer because he has to make a terrible Superman movie. So we get Ratner <laughs> yeah. and Ratner does what he can. As much as we have opinions on both Singer and Ratner. Matthew Vaughn's an okay guy, right? Like, as far as we know. As far as I mean, ha- he, 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 struck, he struck gold with uh, Guy Ritchie. He, Those he, X-Men he, hires say mm. he's, he's... <laughs> and the and the worst of all, Simon Kittenberg. He, yeah. <laughs> he struck gold with, with Guy Ritchie. He married Claudia Schiffer, became a big old like super director slash producer. They produce their movies together now. Like he, he seemingly has a good life. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's <laughs> nothing nothing seems to be wrong with him as far as like morals go compared to the other ones. Uh, oh. by the way, Stryker and and um Senator Kelly in this scene. Stryker's going to be like, mm-hmm. you, I was, you know, uh, I was in Vietnam when you were still sucking at your mom's dude. It's like, these guys are actually the same age in real life. Like, he's trying to pretend like he's 20 <laughs> years older than him. Uh, they're, they're, it's literally like, they're like a month apart. Like, that's how close they are in age. <laughs> um, it's, um, what are we saying? What are we saying about the... Uh... Well, and this scene is just a really solid scene out of a you know halfway decent Tom Clancy political thriller with three really good actors just doing the work. Um oh, we're talking about screen time a bit too. We talk, we were talking James Down Marsden's reduced too. Reduced. Yeah, the they're yeah you have to balance yeah that's what you're saying, Brandon. Like you have to balance this huge cast. Like that we were coming into this movie hot with mm-hmm. even more people. And then yeah you have and then you get to the third one which has some kind of weird finality even though you stuff even more characters into a shorter movie. Go figure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah it's it's weird that this movie seems to like decidedly say hey x-men are everywhere let's 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 have all kinds of sequels or whatnot and then yeah the next one's just 
I guess, I guess there's a cure maybe. And, uh, but actually X-Men are cool. We're over done. Let's mm-hmm. start. Let's start again. Like Scott, what yeah. is that? Right. I mean, like the X3, I think people like learned the wrong lesson from Lord of the Rings and decided that everything had to be a trilogy. Well, that guess. was already a thing before. I mean, because yeah. Star Wars started the whole, oh, everything's a trilogy. And then, and then, and then Lord of the Rings. Trilogy, it was Lord of the Rings that like said, trilogy. OK, everything now has to be a fucking trilogy. Pirates trilogy. Like films actually... were introduced as even before part one. This is the start of a trilogy. Is that actually like the I guess so. If that's what happened. Yeah. Like, is that like because like X3 makes a bunch of money. <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like there's there was no momentum being stopped. Even the ratings at the time. They weren't garbage ratings. They're like weren't as strong as X two, but I can't believe Fox would be like, I guess we should not have our money making X Men machine anymore. Let's let's like, dial it down. You could have trouble with keeping actors, but you could always recast it's them. X Men. That, right? I, su- I, mean, like, I, yeah, that I suggest all the X-Men. time. Don't worry about recasting their parts. Um, but or you know you could write them out and continue an X Men storyline that you have going. Well, I mean, there's two but, things, right? One is the fact that, yes, like you said, Scott, it's X-Men. There's so many of them. You just don't yeah. have to include certain the ones X-Men anymore. The X-Men don't need to be MCU people. The, they have enough going on. The other thing is Hugh Jackman didn't go away. He did three more. Of, he did four or five more. Of these. Yeah. Like, he's, he's doing he was, another. So, yeah. And I think <laughs> the idea is that, you know, they do these every three years. And this goes for Jackman and anyone else. It's like they have time to do other projects. I like that's why he was Wolverine for 20 years because they gave him time to do other stuff. Right here, when Hugh Jackman comes back to the mansion and he's still crushing on Gene, he has this like he's he's like has to play it really cool, which is coming down this year. He's like, hi, Gene. (laughs) Like, he's just trying to hide him. He's casually flirting with her as Cyclops is somewhere around in one of his other four of his rogue is also terribly flirting with her. Yeah, but she, well, What's the thing? Like he has, she has a boyfriend now. And Iceman walks up, gives her an ice cream yeah. handshake. Yep. Everyone hates Logan. Is the theme of this movie? I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Everyone's intimidated by this man. Yeah, here we oh, go. Here comes Cyclops man. in one of these patented scenes between these two. One of one of uh, James Marsden's other four scenes. This is important. I joke about this, but it is a shame. And Jerry I don't even Duties, care about Cyclops. James Marsden. I've probably made this yeah. clear on the previous X Men commentary track. Cyclops is nothing for me, but. I'd rather have a better served Cyclops than a poorly served Cyclops, and he really gets the blunt of it in this these movies. And Marsden's terrific casting for he's great. No, Cyclops, Marsden's Cyclops. innocent. Yeah. yeah, he's he's one of the best things in that terrible Superman movie that Seager did. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's 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 got a. It's kind of funny because he's got a look that you might think, oh, dickish guy, but like he's got a screen presence that's hard not to enjoy, no matter what his role. Like he he's got a good presence of. He's a guy know. that really knows how to play off his five o'clock shadow. He could be clean shaven. He can add yeah. a little bit of stubble, and, he, and suddenly he becomes a different character. Like it's—I yeah. I don't think that's an easy thing to pull off, as far as using someone that's very conventionally handsome, but having like various shades to play just by like slightly dialing things down or up. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a skewed way, this picture—I, I, you know, and I've said this before, and I still—I think the first fifty minutes or so, the first act of this film is some of the best mainstream superhero cinema. Period. Mm-hmm. And I think in retrospect, you have this giant cast and it's almost paced like in, you know, an Irwin Allen disaster movie. Yeah. Where you have okay. everyone's, you know, here's what they're doing here and here's what they're doing here. And, and slowly, minute by minute, this, you know, the, the, the clock is ticking and then boom. Right. Yeah. You're right. Because I think compared to. And Joss I, I find even this scene, which is. No, go ahead. I was saying, I think compared to Joss Whedon's Avengers movie, you're right. Cause I like, as much as I like Avengers, 
I do think the first act is maybe the weakest of that movie. And it's very similar to this movie as far mm-hmm. as it is an ensemble cast that has to work with juggling yeah. a lot of things. Avengers, like, no, it's not bad at all, but it does like it has a feel of we're trying to figure out how to do this. Meanwhile, this movie seems to easily get how to be like, hey, here's like seven different plot strands we need to go around. And it get, it does it. It does it really well. Well, I mean, Avengers with all when you get to that one with all the hype buildup and, and stuff like leading up to it. And that first egg, you're like, oh, this is all they're going to do with this? Yeah, like, it's not great. Like, this, is, this is it. This is, And then it, and it gets going, and you're like, okay. Uh, and but... I love how quiet these scenes are. Oh, yeah. They're just mm-hmm. relaxed and leisurely paced in their conversation-driven. Well, Scott, they're still in an era where you can't afford to just be effects all the time. Exactly. And, and you got to have – and X-Men was always – I mean, X-Men's prime – if any superhero is prime for TV, X-Men is prime for TV. It worked, I mean, they've tried it a couple it, times. It worked <laughs> – uh, yeah. But, I mean, the, the TV show in the 90s worked as a great kid's uh, – soap opera almost with things yeah because that's what even more than most comics this is a soap opera yeah the one thing i'm missing from these x-men movies that only origins wolverine tried to deliver on is scenes of nonsense babble between wolverine and sabertooth (laughs) (laughs) nobody kills you but me back to back um I mean, we're talking about this as far as how this came together. And uh, yeah, the editing is a huge part of it. John Ottman comes on here, uh, who's always been with Singer, uh, for better or worse. And the other thing we're kind of dancing around beyond just Singer's life outside of these films is the fact that this this production, from all I've heard, I've, I believe, Scott, you know the same thing, messy production. Yes. Um, not a, it's not shocking a the film set. came together as well as it did. Yeah. And I've heard from many different areas that I mean, Singer sure worked on the film, but it's very much because of Ottman's work and Newton Thomas Eagle has cinema, like just the what the effort they put in to kind of bring this thing together. Like to the point of like weeks before this, they've just kind of barely scraped together the movie that you have as the final product, which is mm-hmm. impressive to say the least. Not apparently not the uh first time an X-Men film will have to deal with this kind of scenario and still <laughs> and yet hey, they're the idiots to keep hiring him. And yet this still stands strong as one of the best superhero movies that's been made. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's yeah. Cause I mean, you've heard the same, you know, we've all heard the same stories. It's like, but none of that is in the final product. Angry none. sets is the this, main thing I've heard. Singer throwing chairs around and all kinds of stuff. Like, like not a pleasant place to uh, be. Halle Berry yeah. really pissed off at Singer a lot. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. Jackman getting injured during a big stunt. And basically yeah, two two quit. stuntmen and Siegel almost die during like amid the making of this movie. <laughs> From like cars, um, like the pyro scene with the car slipping and stuff like that. There was just dangerous sets. Um, um, that always happy to see the always happy to see the X Jet. It's one of my favorite things in Marvel. <laughs> the X, I love the X Jet. So like you know, getting more of that, cool. Less Mars than more X Jet. That's what I say. Apparently, <laughs> it, it, you you mentioned, and you're right. You know, we're still on this point where you can't afford nonstop action all the time. But I do remember. I mean, for me, the quantum leap in effects work in this film is just oh, yeah. astonishing. Oh yeah, I felt the same way about the second Harry Potter film, which isn't you know basically they cost the same as the first one. But when you watch the first one and then the second one, the effects are so they see obviously they're not, but they feel effortless. And they just, the effects happen whenever the story needs them to. And there's no 
straining to to either show off or adjust or you know try to pull off these effects and this film along with chamber of secrets and we're like okay we're here now where they can really do anything they want and it looks pretty damn seamless my best my best example is always spider-man to be, mainly because i like that oh, franchise yeah. I, I, I care about that more than i care about harry potter but because also it just seemed like it does seem like that same thing a quantum mm-hmm. leap in effects where like spider-man yes it's a sam raimi movie it's not going to look bad but it does look like a rubbery guy jumping around in that first film where mm-hmm. the second one rightfully wins an oscar because of how great the fight yeah, between I mean, doc ock and spider-man look the first one spider-man occasionally has to run because they can't afford him to show swinging all the time Mm -hmm. and some of the swinging stuff is very obviously a stuntman jumping on a you know basically a trampoline and going into the air or there's none of that in the second film well even the but even like the and i remember ebert was critical of the first spider-man because like the physics of spider-man looked weird as a cg object like it didn't really feel like a a, it didn't feel like you know turning yes going from physical actor to cg actor the balance felt weird where the second one it just feels seamless. Like that's what Spider-Man does. <laughs> with what's going on right now, do you remember yeah. when e- Easter eggs were allowed to be Easter eggs? Yeah, and, Omega like, Red file. Oh, yeah. Because they had those they have all these like names on the list and they'd be mm-hmm. like, Oh, neat. And not like, well, that's the next movie, and then it's getting a spin-off, and then this guy because it's setting up that and da-da-da. it could just be there for shits and, and giggles. What's sad is even now it's usually just an Easter egg and not setting up a spin-off. Yeah. I, I, I like it's that. Just... Well, well, now they, you know, Feige and all of them have given, and DC for that matter, have given them themselves the, the best excuse possible. It's like, no, that's just a different universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> X Men movies, they get, but these, especially these early ones, they get by on, we just don't care. We don't care that Hank McCoy shows up in a newsreel in this one, then he's a full character who's like always been friends with Charles or whatever in the next movie. It's like, no, or that whatever. Kitty Pride just... is a different actress in yeah. every movie, and Pyro, when he's going to have a bigger part, changes actors. Yeah, no like... one cared then, and they're just like, because it's a part. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> it doesn't, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, now they now they can just be hand waving and be like, a oh, different universe, multiverse stuff, whatever. <laughs> if anything, it's hampered the actors that it's become like. Nobody else but you plays this, like, because, like, you know, I mean, that's not the worst about... problem for an actor to have, though. No, no, not... <laughs> they're not, they don't have to struggle as much because they have to field True. some TikTok questions about the obscure character they played in the True. movie once. Aaron, earlier today, you and I were, uh, we talked about a little bit about um, Mystique and Rebecca Romaine's performance, which mm-hmm. is terrific. Singer kind of does that again here with Kelly Hugh as Lady Deathstrike, it's a similar type character. That's kind of mysterious. Granted, no makeup and stuff, but uh, she's quite as effective in her own kind of similar way. As far as yeah, his similar yeah. in his in his silent enforcers go. Yeah. Yes, I think he cast that well. What I am saying about Mystique is like yes, as far as like a level of intimidation and authority, I think Romaine brings that. But I also think even in like the the scattered lines she has, whether she's sharing them with Magneto or Nightcrawler in this movie, mm-hmm. I think there's there's enough like past hurt in that where you can see why that she'd be on the brotherhood of the mutant you know on magneto's side as opposed to wanting to figure it out or whatnot like there's something she even says in the first film you know jerks or whatever line you know assholes like you are why i was afraid to go to school as a child yeah there's that's all you need there's a there's a there's a little there's a there's just a there's enough lingering there where it's like it's not just she's reading the lines there's something about the way that i think romaine plays it where it's like this works for this character, this version of Mystique, where I don't think Jennifer Lawrence 
pulls that off at all in the other X-Men movies. Yeah. I don't think she's awful by any means, but it's no. It, but like the mystique it, I know as far as an adult character. It's a different part almost. Yeah. It, it, it just feels vastly different. And it's always been weird to me that they hinged that trilogy or whatever, that quadrilogy of X-Films around mystique as the emotional core. And it's like, why? Especially when there's no real arc for her to like go to Meg. Like they even try. It's no, I, I think she's fine. And I, I got, like first class, I think is obviously very good. Like it well, does her I, job. Oh, yeah. It works in X Men first class because. Yeah, go very glad. No, it works as I mean, she wasn't quite the star power yet that she would blow up as. Well, yeah, that was the issue. Is that she becomes a mega star in between the films, and the you know, especially Days of Future Past, sort of pretzels itself to make her a primary, you know, a primary figure. That's the that's the biggest the issue point I have where it boils the entire. Yeah, that's the biggest issue I have with Days of Future Past. Where is it, it like, boils it's... the entire Charles Eric rivalry to you know fighting over a girl, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating because it's like <laughs> there's bigger things going on, and we have to deal with somehow mystique at the center of everything. And it's like it's almost it's a very similar like Holly Berry in the original three, where she was what she was, and then I believe after this one complains about her part, and they kill off Marsden, and the next one just give her more. To well, give even, her a commanding role and more lines. Well, even this one, she won the Oscar before this it's, movie. They re, they gave her more stuff in this movie yeah. as well. But at this oh. movie's better made. So and she's terrific in this one. She is, and yeah, she gets yeah. to drop the accent. But like also, even with increasing her screen time here, it doesn't feel like it's offsetting the other characters. Yeah. Her specifically. Yeah. Anyway. Like there's still an offset of characters oh. by nature of these movies. But like, it doesn't feel like you you, you couldn't, you don't watch X2 and think, Halle Berry's overtaking it because she won an Oscar. It just feels like, oh, she has more to do this time around. And it's 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 and it's a simple thing, but the the notion of teaming up Storm and Jean Grey in a subplot that has nothing to do with any kind of love triangle between anyone and Wolverine, you know, it makes a world of difference in terms of the characterizations. Yeah. I mean, I think the the running theme that I have with these movies is the less time we spend with Wolverine, the better. I, I think you Jackman's great Sad in these to movies, say. but it's like, how much time do we need to spend with this guy? Like he doesn't have, he's not that interesting. <laughs> it's not that much there. Um, but oh no, I know he got three other movies. So of just him. <laughs> so. <laughs> I like how this stuff looks, the flashback stuff to his experiment. Like it's just like all grimy and green. and Very nineties. Yeah. It's the kind of stuff where you're like, I don't need a movie. <laughs> I got all this. Here's what well, I'm that was the joke that that was the joke that Wendy made when Wolverine was coming out. It's like, you know, he's already got a spinoff move, you know, spinoff movies, X Men, X Men Two, and X Men Three. It was like it was the first Wolverine solo movie. It's like, where the what were the first three? <laughs> He was only in the lead of the poster. Now he's the only thing on the poster. What a useless power. TV man? Oh, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, they should call him the clicker. <laughs> I saw a good one the other day where it said, um, Hi, uh, my name is Charles Xavier. Welcome to this, uh, School for Gifted uh, Mutants. May, uh, what is your power? It says, Hindsight, he says, and Charles Xavier says, "Well, that'll do us no good." He goes, "I realize that now." Yeah, <laughs> and I love this scene. It's it's a character beat between two characters that are 
obviously in slight conflict. Obviously, Iceman more than him because mm-hmm. he's not actually you know Wolverine. Has, Iceman's actually insecure, in yeah. But understandably, I mean this this giant muscle man who was very charismatic and frankly knew his girlfriend before he did. Um, and it's just a sweet little you know beat. Yeah, I mean, what boyfriend would be annoyed if Hugh Jackman walked in and you're exactly? Like, hey, by the way, is my friend Logan? <laughs> but yeah, when he freezes a little Dr. Pepper, it's like that's cool. That's that's the use that I'd have as Iceman. Yeah, <laughs> like soda's gold. And that's how what I love is how often the powers are used in a very casual way that makes this you know makes this movie feel lived in. Like and a lot of kid. movies would be like, don't use your powers unless you really, and, you know, like. <laughs> It's like, yeah, no, it's cool. You can no, cool you, your you, you use it to do the Dr. Pepper. You use it to change the channels on the TV. Mm-hmm. Just little things like that. The casualness is very effective here because of the first one, that's where they still have like sound effects for when, and the third one does this too, where it's like, yeah. they don't just use their powers. They have to like overemphasize it. So like when Wolverine hits stuff, you hear metal. When um, mm-hmm. when Magneto's lifting things in the third one, you hear him like make, a, there's like a sound effect added as if like uh, powers are activated. Even the movies nowadays, it's like not only are you using your power, but there's a special effect that comes with it to like really emphasize the fact that like you're doing something that glows on your hand or whatever. It's like, okay, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scott, we're getting to our favorite scene. Should have killed me when you had the chance. Exactly. <laughs> you should have killed <laughs> me when you had the chance. Charles. Charles. <laughs> or you do it, uh, uh, what's his what's his name? The the former Wolverine. Who, you know, two years, three years. Yes. Yeah, shut up. I can't do his You should have killed me, cunt. When you had the chance, hunt. (laughs) Um, We haven't talked about it at all because we haven't seen much of them, but McKellen and Stewart are just knocking it out of the park in all these movies. (laughs) Like they're doing the job. They're doing the job. So good together. I think with this this film understands, and again, part of it, you're right, is budget and limitation, is that, you know, people come to these movies or read these comics to watch these characters interact in, in melodrama. Yes, the action is important, and the action is, is, when it comes, it's actually pretty great in this film, but it's the character work that matters most. Yeah, and I that's mean, what this film nails across the board. Yeah. And you have to with X Men specifically, right? Because it's you know, it's, yeah. their, it's their ensemble care. It's an ensemble carrot team thing, as far as the comics goes. And this goes, if you talk about X Men comics, no one's being like, oh yeah, remember that one scene where here's this specific action beat? That's pretty rare. Beyond I don't know, referencing yeah. a fastball special. What you mainly talk about is man. <laughs> Wolverine was really pissed off at Cyclops or whatever. Like, there's there's specific things you talk about with these characters because mm-hmm. there's so many different interpersonal relationships between them. Even these X Men movies, do we? I mean, do we talk about the action in X Men movies very much? Beyond like with the exception of the scene or... that's coming up in about five minutes, I think, I think generally... the school invasion scene is the one that yeah, it was sort of, partially because yeah. it was sort of the first time that we had seen Berserker this rage. kind of comic book action in a big budget movie. The, the first one has the Statue of Liberty stuff, which has some cool. I don't think it does that one like 360 scene. shot, but like, that, yeah. and then there's the you know, um, 
Jean Grey redirects that where they're all like strapped on and Jean Grey redirects one of Cyclops beams to yeah, this, break them I, out. It's not, I'm not saying there's a lack of action or there's no reason to talk about them, but I feel like if you're when we're like paying tribute to X-Men for whatever reason, we decide to have a conversation about X-Men movies. I don't think you're very often pulling up the action in them. I think you're generally talking right. about like how these cast members worked versus these cast members or whatnot. Right. You got the, yeah. this, this one, you got the invasion and then you got Wolverine versus Lady Deathstrike. Those are probably the, yeah. Like, standards. um, well, the night even in X-Men first class, which I enjoy. Oh yeah. Nightcrawler's in the beginning. Yeah. 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 So maybe this is one other reason why this film is, you know, among the best is that's the one that really has noteworthy action. Yeah. Well, last stand, we have the, the house scene where the house scene, I love, and, yeah. then, and then you have, <laughs> yeah, when Kitty Pride uh is chased by Juggernaut, that's I mean, granted it has that little like hey internet line at the end, but like it it's got a cool uh movement to it, whereas she's running through walls and he's smashing through them and I, like this. There's no reason I should laugh at this, but I every time like you know, fucking Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six soldier comes out to shoot the little TV boy in the neck, makes me yeah. laugh. <laughs> well, well, it's, well, when you see it, you're like, is that Toad? Oh, wait, no, it's just a guy. That's the other guy. He's like, it, it weirdly resembles Toad, but it's like, yeah. man, she just knocked that guy. She knocked that kid out. There's Kitty Pride for this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they do the Cameron thing of making sure you know that these are kind of sort of private contractors. Of course. But still, Black this ops. is basically a persecuted underclass using lethal force against government entities that are trying to capture and kill them, Kids. which was very, unfortunately, pertinent after 9-11. Um, they had to cut a lot of this scene down to avoid the R rating. Back when that mattered. They, they shot the <laughs> fuck out of this scene as far as Wolverine going nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm all about. Like that's fun. And of course, in X-Men Apocalypse, it's far, far more graphic and bloody. Right. Well, because did... nobody gave a shit anymore. Scott, what summer was it that The Wolverine came out? Uh, 2013. And I think it was you that, I think you pointed out that in theaters, there's a rating problem because there is Wolver- The Wolverine which featured him slashing and bashing and like a lot of violent, very violent scenes that was rated PG 13, but the conjuring was rated R because it was spooky. There's no real uh, reason. I mean, to have it. I think Matt Singer is the one that wrote that article oh, okay. that summer, okay. but we all had that conversation. It yeah. was with, you know, the Wolverine it was with man of steel with where, you know, Iron Man three is pretty killed. brutal also. In that uh, the lone ranger, that. which, which, yeah. you know, that's one that, you know, that's an old school eighties PG 13 right there. Yeah. Um, the Conjuring, I always remember as far as its rating goes, was because like one of the producers at WonderCon, he was saying like we got rated R because it just said it was too scary. <laughs> That's the yeah. reason they got the. Now, I get that. I get saying that. That still seems like that's a way to hype up your movie. As far as yeah, it's R because it's too scary. I think yeah. it's R because there's a couple shots of blood on Lily Taylor, and it's like if you take those scenes out, it easily could have been PG thirteen. But they said no. And I think they said no because like we can get more marketing out of it that way. Right. It's too scary. That's why it's R. That's a that's an easy marketing push right there. Um also, and you know, two different studios, so maybe this wasn't an issue, but you know, you had the other paranormal haunted house James Wan franchise, which is Insidious, which which I think was PG thirteen. They're all PG thirteen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a way to differentiate. I suppose, yeah, I suppose. I'm like, probably no, overthinking that, but I think the difference is there's no violence in the Insidious movies. There's jumps and stuff, but there's yes. no like, there's no actual violence in those films. It's a lot of like things grab you in the dark. Where Conjuring's like um, something's possessed her, and there's you know they're spitting out blood now, and it's like okay, and then 
because they're not directly based on true stories, the Annabelle ones are where people actually get killed. Yeah. <laughs> the nuns are too, right? Like all the conjurings are. Like yeah. our franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're all R, but they're, yeah. you know, they're they're safe for grandmother R's. They're very, they're That's very right. soft R's. Daniel yeah. Cudmore gets yeah. such a glow up throughout this franchise because he is a guy that is <laughs> not a presence. Like <laughs> he is he is like I have nothing against this guy, but like he is not a guy that became a star. But he he just kept increasing and increasing throughout the series. Like it's like, oh man. I remember when Days of Future Past was coming out, I was like, guys, we got back Daniel Cudmore. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's been really busy. You weren't stoked? I mean, they, we were all naturally stoked. I can't believe they replaced him in the Deadpool. It is, you know, and you're right. You mentioned this a minute ago. It's, it's especially in retrospect, it's fascinating to see how restrained and careful this film is in terms of the violence of this sequence versus, you know, now it'd probably just be pure, unfiltered carnage. I think part of it's because Newton uh, Thomas Siegel shoots the hell out of this movie. Like, it's a great yeah. looking film. It really knows how to, like, there's a lot of zoom. I read, what is it? Um, Road to Perdition of all movies was a big visual inspiration for this film. Um, I can't that necessarily was, say I what, definitely. Two years old? Yeah. In one year. It's one year old. One year old. Jesus. Less than a year, if you want to be semantic. Yeah. Um, that and Empire Strikes Back, because all sequels are Empire Strikes well, Back. That's yeah. I mean, this was <laughs> Wrath of Khan through and through. Yeah, this is totally a Wrath of Khan riff in his script. Yeah, yeah. but, but Singer, Singer's a Star Wars guy. So he, he said he said specifically Empire Strikes Back was his inspiration. Singer's a track guy. He's appeared in Trek. I know. I'm kidding. Yeah. But he's, okay, okay. it's just weird that he pointed. He, it, I've, I was reading a lot about this movie, and it's like there's no mention of Khan whatsoever. <laughs> it's like this is very seems this very is obvious. Exactly, but, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, but he, but yeah, he said is, over, over yeah. and over again. I read Road to Perdition, Empire Strikes Back. That's what they were going for as far as naming things that reference this movie. Maybe he's one of those guys that doesn't like to name the obvious ones or stays away from it. But I mean, I feel like Empire Strikes I mean, Back. That, that is I mean the that cult film, Empire Strikes like, Back. <laughs> yeah. No, you you know, especially you know, then and now, you know, well not then, but you know, you're you're pumping a sequel, you say it's Empire Strikes Back and Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Or you say I mean, aliens. Although if you're aliens, aliens you say, fuck it, it's Gremlins the new batch. You yeah, say this... you say aliens is a go to if you're changing the genre. Yes. Right. Yeah, this t- uh, like it's it's uh, like you could write like a ton about like every little Point that matches up to Wrath of Khan in this, like it's insane. I used to think Brian Cox had a fake chin in this movie. <laughs> His chin seems like diabolically long. Maybe that's partly because he has like a goatee going or a Van Dyke going. He's got a pretty evil goatee. He yeah. does. It's very, it's very striking. Um, <laughs> uh, this ice block, real. <laughs> Back when we did things for real, uh, this is a, like a like a super heavy ice block that they brought in, like to, to especially. For this, like, there's a lot seconds. of this film that look, feels Ray. Look, tangible Ray. in a way that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean as much as we no, there's a go... lot of you know all almost all the effects mm-hmm. no go ahead no go go Scott as much as we can joke oh no I was just saying there's a lot in this film that's very tangible and and feels practical in a way that I think we took for granted back then for and sure. just the filmmaking on display, as you said, it's a very well shot, creative, well structured. You know, where they're, they're making real choices about how to block and how to stage, and 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 this is a very cinematic picture. Which again, back in the proverbial olden days, that was almost taken for granted for blockbusters because you wanted them to look good, yeah, and look different. 
and as, and, as and, much, and you know stand out from the pack in a certain way. And as much as we joke about Van, you know, the Fox Woods uh, mm-hmm. being a go-to place for Fox Productions, uh, the shot in Vancouver, <laughs> but it still had like. Like like a what I wrote this down somewhere. It had sixty four sets built, thirty eight locations. Like they made a movie with this movie. Yeah, it's not just Atlanta. And these like underground hallways that look deep are actually deep. Like yeah. they're not like you know fake. Like they're not even matte paintings, I believe. So, what car company got to sponsor this scene? Hmm. Good like is it like Nissan or something? No, it's not Nissan. That'd be too obvious, right? It's one of them though. Nissan now out and go see X two X Men United in theaters this summer. What was twenty four's car? What was their go to thing? Oh, because they had car- commercials during the yeah. yeah. I forget what that was. So here's a question. You know, it doesn't matter, but. Was the assassination attempt just a way to get the key mutants the hell out of the mansion? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. Oh, I think they. I mean, I think the idea was to gather as many of them as they could. And they knew certainly yeah. were there for sure, and you know, put them into just put them into disarray is also the objective too. It's like yeah. well, they, they can't all group up if they're not all together. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, this camo. <laughs> they really went to te- like they yeah. needed to hide. Like, see, his chin looks so huge. I don't know. Like, it just looks like there's <laughs> a mound it's of putty. Jay Leno chin. It looks like there's a mound of putty on top of it. And we've seen we've seen Logan Roy. I don't think his chin looks that big. <laughs> Senator, Senator Kelly, what what's the deal with that? <laughs> what you driving? What you driving? <laughs> so, <sighs> as far as this plan goes. So weeks after weeks after weeks, he'd go into Magneto's prison, plastic prison, poison him with acid drops, and he would have blueprint detail level description of Cerebro so he could recreate it. Yeah, like, well, I mean, in order for this to work, like, he was plotting this before Magneto was plotting his, like, Statue of Liberty thing, because Wolverine, it takes him, like, a... A day or two to get to where he was, you know, Weapon X birth, and uh-huh. then he, like, drives back, so it's like... Yeah, like, I like think this week. film takes place about a month after the first one. So we're going to take some time. He, you know, he's had a road tour of getting to places, I guess. So. Enough time for Jean to, to realize that she could change her hair. That's how long it took for yes. this movie. <laughs> Hey, look. And for and for Kelsey um, Grammer. It's Kelsey <laughs> Grammer on the TV. And for Storm to be like, I guess I could just talk American. <laughs> that's that's how I'll go now. I don't. The mi- th- that mission is over. I don't have to use this accent anymore. Yeah, the the mission to recruit Rogue and Logan to the X Men is done. <laughs> I can drop the African accent. You know, Rebecca Romaine once said hi to me in the Best Buy parking lot in Burbank. I hope you didn't accept a beer from her. Was she drugging no. you also? No, I was. I was walking in. She was. <laughs> She was way out in the parking lot, and I looked at her. Like, I always had this problem with celebrity people where I'm like, where do I know them from? Like, I actually know them in person, not realizing, oh, yeah, it's from screen. And I was like, I, I must have been, like, gazing. And she was like, she's like, hi. I was like, oh, hi. I was like, I was like oh, crap, that's yeah. Rebecca Romaine. 
Jerry O'Connell. Not to be a cliche, but remember when blockbusters were, you know, a little horny? Oh, a lot horny. There's a lot. That's what you know. People in real life did, and they could cuss and say naughty things. Well, like we're people are all over the map about Guardians of the Galaxy having the first f bomb in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Meanwhile, X Men: The Last Stand like has one of the best uses of fuck in a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, and you remember in the first X Men when Wolverine flipped off Cyclops with his <laughs> with his uh, adamantium claw? Oh man, I told my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't, I don't yeah, remember like, the F bomb in part three. I remember it, the F bomb no, in first it, class. In first, I said first class in first. Oh, class. sorry. I thought you said yes. Um, and then there's the I'm the juggernaut bitch in Last Stand. Yes. Back Another curse it, word. Back when internet memes could run the uh, production. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, the juggernaut bitch is a hilarious thing that I love watching. <laughs> <laughs> Not the movie, it's the whatever the movie. I mean, the actual <laughs> YouTube clip that it came from. Yeah. You think when you make like an underground lair, you could like not have it look like this? Like, <laughs> like you, you have to think this is just what he likes, right? Because if you're making an underground lair, you can put a little effort in to make it not he's look got, awful. He's got more goals than decoration awards or I don't even think this is decoration design. though he could not light it this way like he had to purposely choose green lighting like that's, that's what well, he went I, for I think they're going for like he's got lamps plugged into stuff and there's no like I don't know but there is power there they have machinery he's like, got government money to work with he can afford some halogen light bulbs and <laughs> that's to make it look a little nicer I like haunted house chic that's, yeah. what, <laughs> that's what it seems like <laughs> laboratory room in the haunted house or maybe there's just like the offices of people he's torturing maybe his office is like an ikea when he goes to strike <laughs> when he goes to striker hq three doors down it's really bright it's a nice bed and a couch but here he has to intimidate all his, his subjects so it's like get the nastiest greenest lighting possible please right give me the give me the full logan the full logan you know, on IMDb, they could put that um, Brian Cox in X-Men 2. There is a character named Wolverine whose actual name is Logan. Brian Cox would go on to play Logan Roy in a show called Succession I... 20 years later. You should enter that one in so you can finally be a part of that crowd. There we go. <laughs> um, singer Cast Hawk specifically, um, he based off his Manhunter performance. Um, that's what he was. Yeah, well, of course. And Cox, I mean... He's certainly an actor like that has been in some movies, but like he's not a huge star. Like if you're casting for your next X Men movie, you're not necessarily mm-hmm. thinking Brian Cox is much like you know Alfred Molina is not the you know first name choice you're probably going for for Doctor Octopus. But you know they they saw talent, they saw what they wanted. They're like, yeah, this guy, I want Brian Cox. I want the the last I think... last kiss goodnight's Brian Cox. <laughs> I think there was also a point is we were still in a place where. Not every prestigious actor would say yes to a movie like this. Sure. Yep. 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 I mean, but they and, got Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in here. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's still, um, still genre, and that was a though. big deal. 
I mean, it was a big deal when you had Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart in these in this Stewart, first film. Stewart, yeah. you're, Stewart, Stewart is very similar to Sam Neill as far as they've secretly, not secretly, but they've, yeah. they've openly been genre actors for years, but they seem very respectable. Yeah, well, like Anthony and Hopkins, McKellen, who's a total fucking ham, but he's also considered deservedly a very prestigious, serious actor. Yeah, well, McKellen had worked with Singer already, too. Yeah. That, was a, that was a carryover. Um, and, and also one of his, I mean, was it Richard the Third and 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 at pupil yeah. like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of McKellen roles before that like it's he's very still you know for being the age that he is he's fairly new to the cinema world he's such a stage actor before. this was his breakout like almost yeah. like it, for general audiences uh you I mean Paquin was the name she's an Oscar uh, winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pag was the name. Halle Berry was somewhat Berry. of a name, but she yeah. hadn't been in anything like that. Everybody went to go see, really. And also, I remember she gave an interview where, and at the time, it was like uh, blah blah blah. But I get it now. It's like you know, she wasn't thrilled that that this was her option. You know, being a supporting character in a you know basically a cartoon movie of this of like the first X Men. Sure. She let have um, Angela Bassett have it. <clears throat> <laughs> Well, I imagine Angela oh. Bassett's in a similar position where she is an Oscar nominee, and it's like yeah. I don't need to do a genre movie like this necessarily. You know, I don't need to be you know fifth on the call sheet for X. Yeah. yeah, like that's not my thing. Um, they had to choose between Ashmores for this. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. Back before there were so many Chris's, they had a lot of Sean's. They had to, someone had to make the phone call to tell Tyler Maney wasn't coming back. <laughs> Tyler Bain's also good. He's good as Saber too. I watched that first one before I watched before we did this, just because I hadn't watched the first one in a while. I think Tyler Bain, no, it's not really much of a character, but I think he brings a presence that's welcome mm-hmm. as, for, for as far as Sabretooth goes. Well, and again, I love Lee Schreiber, but at the end of the day, his is basically it's Lee Schreiber. Yeah, yeah, it's not there's not much of a Sabretooth there. It's just like it's yeah. just an angrier Hugh Jackman. <laughs> like, There's the kitty from the trailer, everybody. Oh yeah. Here we go. He has now, this is like one of the best scenes of the movie as far yeah. as conversations goes. <laughs> like, oh, this, yeah. This, this is awkward the trilogy nonsense. in a nutshell. Yeah. Oh, he has and a, yeah, it's like hitting the theme hard as far as what you're going for. <laughs> Professor Logan, what do you teach? Art. And yeah, before... I remember uh, the kid, the theater died laughing when this... Well, that was one of the trailer gags. It's also funny. <laughs> That's the other yeah. thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's a good moment. And before Brian Zinger became like such a pariah, it's also like, hey, he's injecting themes that make sense into this movie, and we can respect mm-hmm. for that. Themes that should be very obvious for anybody that's read X Men, right? <laughs> you know, not the kind of thing that grown men should uh, not complain about on YouTube for half an hour. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> How could they shove this stuff in here? They've never had that before. Well, this is well again. This was a time when films could be, you know, left of center. How about that? Because I'm not going to say it's bracingly progressive or political in that nature. And it was just, of course. Well, no. If you want to talk about bracingly progressive, it's Blade. But we don't talk about that enough. Yeah. Oh yeah. We will. We will talk about that summer of commentary. Save it. That's for sure. We'll save that one. David, Uh, I will say too. This is also a time when making a comic book movie that you thought, okay. How do we make this cinematic? How do we make this a movie? How do we, you know, like, what can we take from it? Let's make a movie out of it rather than being so worried about certain things or, you know, taking a lot. Some of the 
to, to Scorsese, is it taking some of the cinema out of it before it gets there? Or maybe that comes with an over-reliance on computer effects. I don't know. Putting that aside, this scene is cool as fuck. Oh, oh, I'm, <laughs> oh yeah. Holy like, shit. This, 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 whole, is, this whole concept, yep. this long con of like, she'll seduce this guy to inject him with iron, and then Magneto's going to pull the iron out of his body and make multiple little balls to free himself from her pl- That's cool. That's and just a really him. cool idea. <laughs> and kill him. Yeah, yes, murders involved dead. in this plot. Yes. And, you know, considering that the first X-Men, and this is not a criticism, wasn't particularly violent. This was sort of like, you know, a, a more of what I think people were expecting from a big budget comic book yeah. movie. And then he could walk across. And also just, like... just a great encapsulation of how powerful X, how mutants can be when they're like, when you're imaginative and doing something cool yeah. with it. Yeah. And I think the icing on the cake is that he's not only like made a small disc he can float himself on, but he's using the other two as just atoms like around him. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, and he's they're looking like shield, a badass or... while yeah. doing it. Yeah, just it's the next cool thing, just like the Nightcrawler opening sequence. Like, yeah. wow. So, like, that's the stuff I think of with this, but it's like, yeah, when like Magneto escapes from a prison. <laughs> so, Pyro sucks, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, a... he feels like someone they pulled off like a Final Destination sequel. Like, well, he was cast off the <laughs> film Tadpole. Like, they Sega really liked his performance in the movie Tadpole. Which is not know, this, but that's why he cast him here. Wasn't he the lead in the Twelve Monkeys TV show? I think that's. Oh, correct. I would not know. I believe that's correct. I can make sure of that. But yeah, what's despite his name that about? being one of my favorite films of all time, I never checked out the TV show. I've always heard it's completely good, like yeah. similar to like Bates Motel, which we both bailed on very early. Yeah, <laughs> like, I heard it was fine. <laughs> that's a yeah. What's a cool fact there? I'm like, why did I blank on this guy's name? His name is Aaron. <laughs> I couldn't find it for a second. Yes, he's he was very much he was James Cole. He was Bruce Willis's character on Twelve Monkeys. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's just, I don't know. He's on Picard. There, no, he's on an episode of Picard. He's not on all Picard. Did not remember him. Yeah, he's yeah, just a lot of scattershot TV since Twelve Monkeys. Like I, I don't know if he sucks because like I just don't like the character or it's a mix. Combo, yeah, it's a mix it's of his both. general look and uh-huh. which I mean, still he's made up to look a certain way. I mean, I, I I'm sure he's complete, completely fine. <laughs> but... I think it's an, a great it's a great arc and place to leave the movie on when he decides to go with Magneto. Like I think that's just a nice. I think the movie builds it up. Yeah, yeah, it builds it up the right way to make you understand why he would do that. Yeah, based on what he's gonna see later on when he has to like fight those cops and whatnot. And you don't feel right about it. And then all of a sudden, instead of doing something, you know, as much as I will defend X3, or the X-Men The Last Stand, mm-hmm. um, be, not that it's genius cinema, but that it, in the fact that it, it's entertaining enough and not that bad, like what they do with him is kind of like, there's some compelling stuff there that turns into a, like immediately. It's like, there could have been some meteor stuff here with him. Oh, but. I think they basically had him okay the only thing we need is to have an ice versus fire battle in the finale yeah yeah and other than that we don't give a shit yeah i guess so there could be more uh this is that good stuff again as far as let's have just simple character scenes but have yeah. it with, like the two essentially minority characters in the movie yeah. as far as storm and, and nightcrawler go 
And this is definitely the kind of scene where you, re, you know, once Halle Berry wins an Oscar, you're like, let's give Storm more stuff to do. Okay, let's have mm -hmm. a, you know, just a simple character scene between her and Nightcrawler. Characters that haven't done anything for like 20 minutes in this movie. Right. Alan Cumming, uh, another one that um, Singer chose for this. From what, I, from what I've read, John Cameron Mitchell was offered but turned it down. Mm -hmm. um, Ethan Embry was like waiting in the wings in case Alan Cumming uh, didn't do it because if you oh, don't wow. think because if you can't get Alan Cumming, you get can't hardly wait Ethan Embry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because Alan Cumming is such perfect casting. He and uh, Nick Neil Patrick Harris auditioned uh, for this movie. So, so Singer right. Singer went on after all the he went after all the gay actors. Fox found Ethan Embry and and, and at some points <laughs> we found a happy medium, <laughs> which was uh, st stage great uh, Alan Cumming. Um, he crushes it here too. Who like... was just coming off of the revival of a cabaret, which kind of sort of made him a star. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, Golden he's... Eye. Was this around the anniversary party? I can't remember what year it's near the anniversary. The okay. anniversary part is like 2002, I want to say. That's okay. And is that also like the lat? That's that's him and Posey, right? And then mm -hmm. and then like Phoebe Cates is like very last role. That was her final role, yeah. yeah. Not that she died, but that she just stopped acting. <laughs> and even then, she wasn't acting before that very much either, right? So yeah, she wanted to parenting was what she wanted to do. Hmm. Or Kevin Klein just keeps her locked up. One or the other. We're not, we're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alan Cummings very good in this movie. I mean, he like he, the 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 high time to shine is right at the beginning, where it's a mix of him mm -hmm. and I assume stuntmen. But even then, like he's still like giving some good, you know, good dialogue, good acting sequences in between. Jennifer Jason Lee, not Parker Fo or are they both in there? They're both there. Yeah, in the anniversary party, a lot of people are in that movie, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I think it's, Jennifer Jason Leigh, she's like the she's the co-director uh, with Alan coming on that. Yeah, it was that sm that touted small indie film with a big cast. Yeah, that you know was getting touted that year. And I forget Holly Berry here is coming off Die Another Day. Well, she's coming off of her Banner year. She gets an Oscar yeah. and a Bond movie. <laughs> well, yeah, she got that. I have to wonder if like she was ready to like get like with this movie and stuff because. You know, she had Die Another Day, which she takes on before. What She won an Oscar while working on Die Another Day, or yeah. right before they went to shoot it. And then... Uh, she brought it you know, to she, set, she, I believe. She, she, she like, brings yeah, the Oscar, she, as they normally she's do. She's got to do X2, and she's probably like, when do I get to do my I won an Oscar, I can pick what the hell I want to do movie. Well, she... She has Gothica in the fall, I think. Well, there's a few, like, cause a few, there's a lot of things because she's busy at that point. Like, because yeah. X Men comes out, she's already doing, she's already getting busier and busier. X Men, well, yeah. happens. she does Swordfish with Hackman mm -hmm. after that. Uh, she, yeah, she gets the, you know, yeah. the big indie movie that gets her an Oscar. She does a Bond movie. She Not only does she, she have she, like, the cred, she's popular. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, she drops out of Geely. She was going to be in Geely in Jennifer Lopez's role. Mm. Uh, she drops out of that to do this, to do X2, um, which, you know, bullet dodged, one would think. Yeah. <laughs> Although you wonder, it's like if you didn't have the high profile couple starring in Geely, is that a different movie? No, because that script is terrible. That, that's the problem. Yeah, but it also would have been like the bad movie. Basically, okay, this film isn't very good, but whatever. Yeah. It wouldn't be As compared to, to like um Reefer yeah. Madness or Plan Nine, like it was. Yeah. yeah. So Geely's just a it's just a boring drama. It's not like poorly just doesn't work that said after x2 it's gothica it's catwoman which she gets her own solo role yep 
which you know doesn't pan out very well at all. She showed us. Uh, <laughs> and it's and yeah, you're Brandon, you're not wrong as far as questioning when's the next like she gets to do her own, like she won an Oscar now. Let's see what it, like it's not to what things we lost in the fire. That was like, the yeah. first yeah, four, and, four and five, six years later. Uh, I like that movie. It's ter- oh yeah, it's terrific. Yeah. Um and after that, like she, she pretty much dials it down as far as high profile stuff after after a while. Like it's the two thousands are her like all right, let's be in blockbusters and kind of stuff for a while with like War X Men, the Catwoman, obviously. That what's that Bruce Willis perfect stranger? Mm-hmm. Bruce yeah. Willis, yep. which has one of the most hilarious trailers that I saw like seven. She wasn't times a good Balky. She wasn't a good Balky. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but then it becomes. You know, give or take, you know, another X-Men sequel here or there or like Kingsman, you know, like random stuff where she pops in as like added support. It's cloud then, out. You know, it's for cloud shits out, and giggles, but... she makes the claw, the call, which is fucking awesome. Well, that's yeah, she does the call and like kidnap. But those are like she's producing those movies also. That's yeah. the other thing. Like those are which and they work like that. The other the, the yeah, thing that helps is that they're great. good. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, where's Hugh Jackman? Because Hugh Jackman obviously propels after X-Men. It's his first movie. Uh, uh, Sword, Swordfish gets, was the uh, come see him again next summer. In, uh, um, yeah, Swordfish. Yeah, and he, yeah, yeah, but, he has he does the that typical, I don't want to be just action guy, so let me get a slew of romantic comedies going. So he has what, like someone like you, Kate and Leopold. Kate and Leopold. Scoop. That was the that was the handoff, like uh-huh. Those are Meg Ryan's like, I'm not going to be in big things anymore, but you have a big career ahead of you. Take my. <laughs> well, it's also where it introduced, then... it introduced the legendary combo of Hugh Jackman and Liev Schreiber. That's where Kate Leopold mm. got that from. So. And then let's see, between 2000, yeah, 2000 well, Van, yeah, Van uh, Australia, the Van Fountain. Hel- well, before that, Van, Van Helsing, Helsing is the big thing. Yeah. Is there like a, a healthier career than his of modern no. stars? Like, and that's the problem. Incredible. You know, I whine all the time about how Hollywood spent, you know, 20 years, 15 years trying to turn everybody in the next Tom Cruise. And, you know, honestly, I think they saw what Hugh Jackman pulled off going from absolute nobody to genuine star from this franchisee comic book role. And they thought that that's the way to make new stars. You take these nobodies and you cast them in John Carter or Jack the Giant Slayer and et cetera, Prince of Persia. And, you know, it never works. I think the closest you get, and even then they have like TV crypto, like Michael B. Jordan is somewhere in yeah. there. Um, we can um, talk, we can talk a little bit about Jonathan Majors. Um, he certainly he was propelling well, in that kind of There's thing. a case to be made that, you know, again, they were trying to find the next Tom Cruise instead of the next Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And if they had, you know, perhaps expanded their horizons a little bit in the 2000s and 2010s, we might not be in this shitstorm we're in right now where there are no movie stars and Tom Cruise still has to get off the bench to save the day, which of course is what Tom Cook is all about. Um, But yeah, I I do think Hugh Jackman in a way was sort of the best case scenario of what, you know, of quote unquote new movie stars and, you know, using a franchise as a launching pad to be, you know, quote unquote real actor. We talked all past that sequence where Pyro like burns a bunch of cop cars, (laughs) but it's a pretty thrilling scene. We're like, Wolverine gets shot in the head, and it's like, oh, well, that sucks. So then the bullet comes out, and everything. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. So, like, that whole I think that whole sequence at Iceman House is like really well done. Like, this whole movie's great, but I mean, that's a that's a really well done, like, scenario as far like you can see that as a comic in itself. Like, they have to hide out at Iceman's house, Iceman's parents call the cops, 
yada 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 like things ha- like that's just a good like idea for a segment of this film and so is this storm has to use tornado clouds to stop the government jets from chasing them and we're basically halfway through this film this is a good showcase for like the special effects too as far as you want to see x-men doing something large scale here's a bunch of you know CG clouts, like knocking out jets. The, the tornado scene from X2, X-Men United. They're really trying to get them, though. He's like, oh, these clouds aren't going to stop us. We're going to blow these kids out of the sky if it kills us. <laughs> Damn kids. I'm all about Senator Kelly 1.0, not that new version that likes mutants. <laughs> There's nothing suspicious about that, no yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, by the way, Senator Kelly just changed. Did he ever talk about why? No, he just we, he he refuses interviews. He's always, he's always mysteriously absent immediately after Senate meetings. Also, it's really weird. His secretary's always talking to us for some reason. Goes down and visits that Magneto guy a lot. Yeah, he's always at the prison. <laughs> he's really sticking it to him. What's his wife have to say? They don't live together anymore. Why? <laughs> Says he hasn't been home in since the uh, the whole incident at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, he has four kids. They haven't seen their father in years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you think at some point he's got to fake his death because Mystique doesn't want to be Senator Kelly forever. But that's the thing; she loves it. Yeah, <laughs> Can't get yeah, this. <laughs> Says he's excited to finally get free of this loveless marriage. Honestly, she probably would be. She'd probably be into it. Like, yeah, I get yeah. to make this asshole sound like he loves mutants. I'm doing this every day for the rest of my life. Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, boom. Like, this is a nice. I mean, it's, Iron it's, Man. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Think about it, though. If, like, some, like, if some if some Democrat turned out to be a mutant with shape shifting skills and they were like, oh, we could replace like Mitch McConnell for the rest of our days, they'd do it in uh. a heartbeat. They do it every single day and they'd love it. They'd love every opportunity to do it. Oh, it would save the country. It probably would. <laughs> a lot of power is being used here, by the way. It's all working out really well for them. No, it's it's, it's... Just to be clear, Magneto from like a mile away on the ground was like, that X-Jet probably has a hole in it. Let me use my magnetism powers to fix the hole that I cannot see from where they are. Fix the hole of the jet. just that powerful. And and help land this thing at the same time. And it still flies. Like, it's it's like all they had to do was build that hole back again. It's fine. The X-Jet, it rocks is what I'm saying, guys. Like, the X-Jet's unstoppable. Unlike the Batwing, that can be taken out by a single bullet. Yeah, the Batwing, like that thing's ne- like even in the trailer, you're already seeing it going down. Like it's like that <laughs> thing never survives. If you have a gun long enough in your pants, you can take it down. Jack Nicholson style. Mm-hmm. I like that there's like a kids' table and a big boys' table for the campfires they set up. Only. <laughs> 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 uh, only uh, Storm and Older can sit over I'm here where the rest of them have to mm. st- sit by the other campfire and not talk about the grown-up politics.
Ian McKellen trying to get like so angry <laughs> about Hugh Jackman, que- you know, about Wolverine questioning this when he's like, "You're the one that gave him the blueprints to the Cerebro." So Jackman was also a Hopper Punisher after this movie. He turned it down because he was doing Van Helsing, but they there is a verse there's, there's a world where Hugh Jackman is also the Punisher. Wow. I mean it's Hugh Jackman, he could probably do it, but uh I'm curious what that looks like. I say it's like I could imagine. I could imagine a Thomas Jane Wolverine too. Yeah, you know, think about interchanging people, but Ray Stevenson's my Punisher. So. Tom Jane could be a good Wolverine. I could see that, like back yeah. in this this period. Yeah, especially because he wouldn't like dominate the screen the way Hugh Jackman does. He'd probably be more willing to. Right. I'm not saying Hugh Jackman's not willing. The studio put him up to be like Wolverine's our guy, but I could see Tom Jane being more willing to kind of like sit in the background more often. Um, mm-hmm. regardless of what Fox is telling Brian Singer to do or whatever. It's a different character, but it still fits Wolverine. Yeah. I do like that the script seems to challenge this too. Like they, it's constantly reminding him that it's like, you're not the center of this, Logan. Like there's more people than just you that we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as if like, as if like Fox is like, guys, Wolverine front of the poster all the time. And the script is like, who this guy? What is he? He just has claws. Like, what do we need him for? Like, this guy doesn't mean anything. I mean, th- there is interesting stuff with Wolverine, but sure. like, it's it's like interesting. They they do well by you know Jackman. He's got the presence and stuff to lead. But ideally, on paper, he's like you've brought like you're making shroot farms all the time right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's he's better when we aren't. It, he's not. We're not in the driver's seat with him, but you know they've done it already. So I imagine if they do another shot at the X Men with different actors, I imagine Wolverine would be more the side character mystery. Than... I have little doubt of that. Like I, I expect when the MCU, whenever they do X Men, they'll probably do like the original team first. They'll probably do oh, like yeah. Cyclops, Gene, Beast, Angel, and then yeah. like it gradually introduce others and Wolverine would be like a credit cookie in the first one or whatever. Yeah. Cause it's already like shoes to fill, especially now they have Deadpool three that officially has Wolverine. And it. it's like, that's going to make it even harder for them to be like, let's have another Wolverine. They've said it's not the same Wolverine that he was playing. So I may, I have to wonder if Deadpool multiverse, I wonder if he's actually playing Hugh Jackman pulled from a, an X-Men set. I be, whatever the case, I hear and I hear I agree. I hear what you're saying and everything. I mean, yeah. as far as finding some new actor, the fact mm-hmm. that he's coming back to do it once again, that 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 continues to make it hard for them to be like, yes. we're casting this guy as Wolverine now. You're like, keeping him recent, like yeah. you, rather than letting time pass between Logan and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. And once again, you get like Mystique, like trying to pull some shenanigans over here. She will be anyway. This is still like the real gene. <laughs> Mystique's like watching this from the side and being like, I have ideas. And even so, like, 
comics wise, we know that Mystique is Nightcrawler's mother. This movie doesn't try to make that supremely clear. But again, I think in the performance, you can write it, you can read it either way, either like she's masking this or it's, you know, it doesn't matter. But I do think there's something there as far as they're trying to like the the filmmakers aren't unaware that this is a thing. Wolverine likes playing with those dog tags. This is a good scene if you're Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I think Singer says that on the commentary too, where it's just like an all-day scene of him just being in the tent, people being on him. What else? This movie, let's see, Beast was going to be in this movie. Angel was going to be in this. Beast is kind of in this movie, but like they're, they're going to be in this movie. Sentinels were going to be in this movie. Danger Room was going to be in this movie. The same old, same old reason. Too much stuff and too expensive. Can't have Sentinels, can't have Danger Room. Yeah, be weird. It's like, when do you put that in? Put your mic down, Scott. What was that? Put your mic down. Sorry. No, I was laughing at you know the, the montage of women throwing themselves at Wolverine and then it's Brian Cox. Like, well, that that's your kink, okay. He didn't say no. This casual bitchiness right here between Ian McKellen oh, and yeah. the best of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. That's what won Pyro over. It's like this side's right. <laughs> this right. Gonna be mean. I like how deliciously evil those two are. They're like cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just like meow. Well, they're so above and beyond like <laughs> saving you. They don't care. It's like we we're just the, we're these guys. We do this. <laughs> He shouldn't be that impressed by him taking his lighter by magnet powers. Like, that's the guy's thing, guy. He just shaved your jet out of the sky. He can take your lighter. Even with the fluid in it? Whoa. Oh, no one's calling Pyro the smartest guy here. <laughs> Effects hold up quite a bit here. I'm impressed. Yeah. And there's, again, you know, I know I've said this several times, but they're so casual. Does does like the digital stuff like just age and hold better with being added to film than it does when it put it with digital or I don't know or just people had time to do these things. I think it's just I think it's just time and skill. Like I've yeah. said, like you know, to reference Guardians three again. Yeah, James Gunn has the same tools as everybody else, right? And so, <laughs> and and his films look better. So like, yeah. I, it's and I don't think it's because James Gunn is just you know, the best out there, or he has more things at his disposal. He just seems to get how to use these for the sake of film. You can say the same, Brandon, you said the same for like Michael Bay. Like mm -hmm. they, they know how this stuff plays in front of cameras. Yeah. Obviously like Spielberg's like a golden God when it comes to this kind of thing. But I mean, mm -hmm. it's, they just, 
I, I don't know if you just have to have the eye for how this all works or what, but. Well, it's funny. I was, I, I was thinking like, there's a, there's a wonderful hallway action sequence in guardians three that I was like, could you imagine if the Russos did that? <laughs> I just, Oh, we'd have seen everybody for sure. I, and all yet, in one frame. And when captain, Amer- you know, and yet, nine years ago when Captain America Winter Soldier came out, it was such a revelation for having being a comic book movie with action scenes on that scale in terms of fisticuffs. It, well, it, it, That's what put them on the map. It's why it's their best movie. Uh, like, yeah. it, it, as far as their MCU films go, it feels like the one that had the most vision behind it, where they became more yeah. I don't want to say generic, but they certainly flattened out as far as the intentions they had from a genre film standpoint there where like and to be fair i think civil war's action scenes are very good in terms of choreography and staging i'd say the i'd say um, the same but i, I think still, i, I yeah. think there's a noticeable not decline the, cra- the crack show the crack right? show yeah. more there's yeah. it, it feels like winter soldier had a real thought out idea of we want like you know to have scenes that look like the fuck mm-hmm. the raid like we want to have yeah. cool ass action sequences in civil war <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the whole, like, everybody's fighting on the airplane field all day, but at the same time, it's like, it's a really bland background for these multiple characters to be fighting on. It just kind of, like, sticks. I think, ironically, that's one of the lesser scenes in the film. I think the initial Bucky Captain America escape scene where they're hopping up and down the staircase, that's terrific. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. It is. Yeah, I admit that's good. Even their, um, final, even their final showdown, I think, is with yeah, Iron Man, I think. It's just well. the two of them. It well, just, the, sta- the staging feels more personal, for one thing. Yeah. yeah. Civil War feels like we're running out of gas here, and we're going to just be repeating things, and now I don't have any other ideas. Like, that's kind of, I don't know, it's, an, it's a victory lap on Winter Soldier, but just doesn't feel as fresh anymore. And some of the newer stuff, when they're given more characters to utilize they think just putting them all in a frame counts yeah i think there's some of that yeah this is like we all like civil war <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's a solid picture i think you know it's it's and this is say nothing of their, you know, second half this but, is nothing to whatever. say of their giant avengers movies that they made also is like you can i can see where the limits feel as far as a directorial vision goes by comparison right mm-hmm Mystique gets a lot of time to shine in this movie, mm-hmm. by the way. Like it's like more than more than multiple mutant characters. Like there's some good personality to it. Like she when she mm-hmm. slides under the door and flips them off as she's doing it, it's like that's fun. Whoa. Which makes a level of sense, right? Because it's one of the more visually creative mutants you have to work with. Someone that can shape shift and, you know, is blue. Mm-hmm. That scene right there with Brian Cox, like <laughs> <Yeah>. waving to them, it's great. <laughs> it's ins- it's insane. Like it feels like we're in the uh, <clears throat> end game right now, but we still have almost an hour. Left. Yeah, there's a lot of time left in this movie. And I, th- <laughs> and I think of anything, I do think this whole climactic sequence does become redundant, and go on longer than it should. But whatever. I think that's. I think that has to do it's... with what I was pointing out: the green lighting, <laughs> all of it. So it looks very similar. Yeah. So you yeah. don't get a lot of variety compared to before when you have characters all in different locations, so you get more variety in the visuals going on. Here you get this ugly dam. Watch your mouth, Aaron. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, Brian Singer would Brian damn. Singer wouldn't care because he's like, oh yeah, the dam looks too green. I'll make my whole fucking Superman look yeah. green in two and a half hours. I'll show you. 
Hmm. And sure enough, I and did. He did. There he made all those Superman sequels, right? It was a super success. My my, my buddy Kev is gonna be Lex Luthor. <laughs> Cal Penn has agreed Cal Penn has agreed to appear with no line. <laughs> I'm gonna cast a Lois Lane that looked like she's twelve. Yeah. Nothing you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my my Superman Clark Kent a dead ringer for Christopher Reeve almost, but Lois Lane, ah we'll just give up halfway on that one. Courtney Cox is right there. I don't know. It'd certainly be interesting to do a Superman Returns commentary. I just don't have three weeks to spare for that entire running time. <laughs> oh, do you think James Gunn will make actually break the mold and instead of trying to make the third best Superman movie, actually make the second best Superman movie? Because <laughs> I'm but, sorry, after revisiting the Donner, what I mean that there's just something special there. Like it's yeah. I, I, not that anybody else, but like I can't. I know there's it's not kids, just nostalgia. Kids who think oh it's old, but like that's got to work for majority of people still. If you if they and sit I, down and watch it, yeah. Like I believe and the I, man could fly. And you know, not to be a broken record, but I do think to the extent that I don't know if Superman is that popular of a character in terms of the size and scale that they want these movies to be. Is he becoming Robin I, Hood, Scott? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've long argued that he's like real Robin Hood, King Arthur, Peter Pan, I, whatever. Uh to a lesser degree. And that I think the quote unquote popularity of Superman was partially because just the movie was so damn good. And does does Superman give it a I mean what you say with Batman, like the we've seen it all factor, but with Batman, like the guy has no powers and it's about like villains, mysteries, crime, Superman. I don't know. But I think Superman I film hasn't explored anything well that's the thing that's why i i'd argue with scott where i don't think it's a i don't think it's robin hood terry i don't think it's too much of a you know been there done that and whatever i think like we've just literally not done anything else with the character that makes it feel like that makes it feel specifically like superman we've done lifted something we've done superhero movie featuring this guy that looks like this character but i don't think we've done anything that actually looks like superman since those original films like I don't think that's Man entirely of, fair. I don't think Man of Steel is what you, when you read a Superman comic. I don't think that compares to what Man of Steel is. I I think the Donner films and to a lesser extent the Lester films, like the second two, or the sorry the second one, then the fourth one, which is not Lester. <laughs> I think those at least present you like what a Superman is as far as standing for literally truth, justice, American mm-hmm. way. And I think we got away from that by having one movie that's like this weird homage that's unsuccessful for a variety of reasons. And then Man of Steel, which, whether or not you like it, it certainly feels like a Zack Snyder film featuring an alien as opposed to what you expect when you get Superman. For all the Batmans we get, they still feel like Batman. Like, they still feel like a version of a Batman that makes some kind of sense. I don't think Superman has been able to capture that very often on screen. No, and I hope you're right, because they're going for it anyway. (laughs) I mean, look at the, like, as much as people complain about Justice League, Scott, like, the end when Superman's there... Feels like Superman. I mean, mm-hmm. it feels like yeah. you kind of yeah. Superman. <laughs> Had a oh. long road to get there, but yeah, no, I agree. Oh. And whether or not I that mean, was I, the I... intended goal, if Snyder kept getting to make movies or whatever the hell would have happened if Justice League initially was successful, 
we didn't get that guy. We didn't get Henry Cavill just yeah. having mm-hmm. a good time being Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah. We got the moody being, you know, super dick. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. By the way, super back, to, dickery. back to this movie, Jason 143, uh, he is played by Michael Reed McKay. You know who Michael Reed McKay is? I don't. He is Skinny Bane in Batman and Robin. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. That's funny. Yeah. I guess he's got a typecasting. He plays a lot of, like, like uh, kind of skinny, gaunt-type <laughs> characters. Yeah, other, there's other roles, too, that he's done similar things. The Ivy it's, rises. I mean, just looking at him in this picture and remembering Batman and Robin, I'm thinking Guillermo del Toro must be looking at him and going, almost, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but can he learn Spanish for a role? <laughs> <laughs> oh, get ready, guys. James Marsden's back for his third scene. <laughs> Boom! Yeah. As the guy that you know gets his own, you know, fiance, wife, whatever they are, you know, Laser basically eyes. gets Gene killed. Yeah, he like that yeah. right there ruined everything. Like <laughs> just him blasting yeah. that pipe. Like that's going to be the end game for all this movie. <laughs> really needs to quit picking at that thing on the back of his neck. It's getting yeah, it's not open. I do wonder what the end goal was for these kids. Mm-hmm. He has them all down there. He's just... going to kill them. I guess, He's right? going to use Cerebro to fry them or whatever Cerebro is going to do. But, I mean, he's got guys. He could have shot them all. <laughs> well, no, he said, there's a scene where he wants to say he wants to test the machine. That was what he just used on like... that specific batch of children. That's, yes. That's pretty horrible. <laughs> yes. He's a dick. And, you know, obviously, I assume anyone listening to this commentary knows this, but this story was loosely based on a, a late 80s arc, or graphic novel called Man Loves, or God Loves, Man Kills, uh-huh. which made the religious implications of the anti-mutant hysteria text instead of just subtext. Um, this film, come what may, obviously removed all the religious elements from the character, this character, for better or worse. Um, here's one of those scenes that also highlights Gene's transformation into the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Boy, that sure paid off. Like the work is done in this movie, though. Like they really yeah. go for it as far as right at the be- right at the beginning. They're not even hiding it. It's like I'm getting really weird vibes from my head. Like I don't know what's going on here, but mm-hmm. something's changing. Then you know they put stuff in, you know. For better or worse, she does have a couple reaction shots during the Statue of Liberty climax in the first film where it's like, oh, something messed with her brainwaves. Yeah, she's she's playing it like she's a character that's going to change. Like there's something that's going to occur. And it's a shame that it's just like this weirdly rushed combined plot line that they go for with X3, a movie that, again, we, for some reason, all three of us like. Um, But it's (laughs) because we're crazy people that find the good in everything, I guess. (laughs) But as far as this movie goes, like, she has a great arc. She gets there. They they show the things necessary and she dies. Mm -hmm. Like, they 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 don't take that. They don't walk that back by the end of this movie, at least. I mean, they get that little glimpse in the the water, but it's like, yeah, comic fans get it. It's a nice, soft cliffhanger. 
like, well, it looks like we're gonna do the Phoenix saga. It's not even a dark, it's not even an after credit scene. They're just like that's the no. that's the cut to credit scene. It's the uh, where Spock's body goes to ends up on Genesis. Yeah. Well, we haven't chucked a Wolverine in two minutes. Better get back to him again. Yeah, up to walking around. Look at Torregra too in this fight scene. You know, it's it's fun to think that that. Lady De- was that Lady Deathstrike? Lady Deathstrike, yep. yes. Yeah. Is in actuality just like a teacher when she's not being kidnapped and brainwashed by Stryker. Yeah, well, she's also an old flame of Wolverines, too. So yeah. there's like a lot of comic book wise, there's a lot of depth and that bothered people like who should just do it? Like you can't do it's film, it's an adaptation, it's a cool character of use, you know, you rewrite it a bit, it's okay. Do something new. It's know. it is never not funny though to think about like James Mangold on the Wolverine, a movie I really like. Um yeah. it's like going out of its way to be like, let's be somber, let's like move methodically, let's do all we can. And then it's like in the last 20 minutes though, you better ramp the fuck up out of that CG to get Omega right in there. Right. Or else. Yeah. Like this goes really hard. Right. <laughs> yeah, Mangold did compare a pair of good Wolverine. I like his Wolverine movies. I actually like the Wolverine more than Logan. I put them on par of each other, but I give Wolf, I give the Wolverine the edge. I really like the Wolverine. Well, partially because I mean they're this very similar. So it's like okay, I'll go with the one that came first because I say you can like both. I do like both, but if I'm forced, no, to you just them... chose. You just chose. <laughs> Fine, I chose. Logan can go to hell, and I'm actually... no three ten to Yuma. Right, I know it's fun to bag on, but I've I've always enjoyed and still like these X Men movies, warts and all. Like, yeah, like, I've yeah. Had fun with them. I I understood that they were movie versions of the comic book and not like must adapt this story directly to like they they were fun. I enjoyed them. I still do. I'm not gonna turn on them or all of a sudden they're bad now to me. I've always liked them. I think the, uh, yeah, these initial ones for sure. Like I I. Do not they, care for Apocalypse or they, they oh had yeah, a, Apocalypse they, can go to hell. They had a good batting average till Apocalypse. Yeah, like that was God. It was that, the, that kept popping up in my Facebook memories. You know, they run up to the press screening. Uh, we all thought this movie's going to be amazing. They're showing it two and a half weeks early. Yeah. Let's hold on, but I mean, we were certainly happy that we got an early screening because, like, yeah, that shows a sign of confidence. But it's not like we were sitting there being like, "Yep, Oscar Isaac looks fucking great as Apocalypse." Like, this <laughs> did not exactly look like the best time. <laughs> uh, I mean, to counter it, I mean, to counter it, Olivia Munn looked fantastic as Psylocke. Like, that was one of the best page to screen looks that they'd done. Um, but like, yeah, they that was it. Like, effectively. And the fact that they only had that one shot of her flying and, you know, in battle was probably a warning sign. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. That's all we got. Um, yeah. We don't need it. Do we, do we talk about how does this work with Lady Deathstrike having adamantium fingers in her <laughs> that they... I don't know. How does that go? <laughs> it's a movie and it looks cool and it works. <laughs> and this is a very scabby fight scene for yeah, a PG-13 this movie. Too. Yeah, they, they, and again, they... they're both immortal, they're both healing, so it kind of, yeah. you know. Um, 
and it's a solid piece of action film. Oh, yeah, there's, there's good. Her death is awesome without oh, being yeah. like some super gore thing. Like it is. Well, part of it's because it's practical. They got a. It's a mix. They got a practical mannequin. So sound design. Super, sound design's great. You get a practical impressive. mannequin, so you can get an up close look at the face, and then you put CG adamantium mm-hmm. coming out of her. Yeah, the editing here. John Ottman's like the hero yeah. of this movie. Like yeah. he's doing so much work to get this right. Right. No, On top this, of also scoring this movie. <laughs> this fight scene just slays, man. I I remember in the theater just being wowed by it. Holy crap. Well, there's yeah, and you know, going back back to these especially the first three films where yeah, the last stand wasn't great, but it still was fun and unique and special to see these characters and these franchises you know presented in this kind of big budget you know polished looking relatively serious movie mm-hmm. and you know it's 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 the difference between you know spider-man in 2002 and spider-man homecoming in 2017 mm-hmm. where it's like it's not special anymore at least not to me yeah well it's also neat to like watching this i'm like liking the watching you know real actors on sets with wire like stunts and things like that for the fights pretty pretty neat rather than just like this interchanging between a human and a cg thing moving around yeah that's very much big work that there's there's people on set all the time yeah also this just looks painful everything wolverine has to go through with this fight just looks awful ow and it like i mean the the pain resonates. It's not just like the pain that Wolverine's suffering, but the fact that like this woman is brainwashed and it sucks that he has to like, you know, inject a ton yeah. of adamantium into her body to stop her from stabbing it because she's too brainwashed to do anything else. Oh, there's just a brief moment of melancholy. And he feels bad because yeah. he knows. I do like that the head clunks when it hits the ground. <laughs> That's really good because it's so heavy. We've got jokes. <laughs> what a shitty day for the world, by the way, with this whole Cerebro plot. Right. <laughs> First the mutants all suffer at the same time. Then the humans all suffer at the same time. I mean, obviously, it's a movie, but there's zero chance that the end result of the events here wouldn't be like the total annihilation of the mutant species. Hmm. I'm not that optimistic about the uh, empathy of mankind. Hmm. You know, it's it's not to change the subject to, you know, but when you rewatch The Dark Knight, it's like, you know, now the least realistic part is the fact that none of them push the button. Well, you get the right people on the boat. <laughs> ah, they couldn't have made that helmet a little bit bigger, so it didn't look as dumb. Magneto's helmet. I mean, it's 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 it was always missing the certain bigness that made it look less goofy in like the cartoon and the comic book. But whatever. I mean, the one time they do it is when Fassbender takes Bacon's helmet and then makes it bigger by the end of the movie. Oh yeah. yeah. He adds a little flair to it, and it's like, all right, <laughs> well, he went there. Like, you need a cape, and you'd be a perfect Magneto, finally. Mm. 
Yeah, they really are in this dam for a lot. That's why it just it just looks so like the same. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like it, it really. They're walking. They're walking more. They look. They're walking again. Christopher Walken would have been a good Magneto. <laughs> He'd make the most of it. Charles, you can't trust the humans. <laughs> Mystique, she turned into Senator Kelly. I'm going to let you do that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so par for the course, X2, not great posters. That's <laughs> the X-Men franchise is proven not to do. What gets me is like, it's an X. You can play around with that a lot. And they just don't know what to do with it. It's like, I guess we'll just put faces in the X. There's one where it's just like the whole cast and it's like a blue background. There's steel blue background. And it just says like X2 in the corner. Like, what? Like, I, I don't know. Well, you pointed out long ago. I mean, like, X-Men have crappy posters. Hilariously bad posters. Like, throughout the, like, it finally got a little better when, like, the Wolverine came out. Yep. Like, they had some style. Like we said plenty, like the last stand has these weird like character posters that feel like they're from the movie Rent. It's like why? Uh, like what yeah. is oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I remember that? Like, he's or, like standing with his They're all like standing like, yes. like like in moody poses. No day says, but today. And it says take a stand. It's like, what is this a yeah. drug campaign? What are we doing here? mutants. <laughs> <laughs> God, I forgot about those. Jesus. Wolverine, why are you fighting? I can I can move your head up. And there's like one from like first class where it looks like Professor X is getting a head or something. First class has these weird like mm. silhouette posters they're going for where it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. Days of Future Past is like, well, here's here's everybody. Here's everybody. Here's a smorgasbord of colors. <laughs> we drew them right. Yeah. There's the Dark Phoenix posters. Remember that movie? Yeah, they made that. Hashtag best X-Men. Um, and New Mutants, which we went through swaths of different art departments <laughs> for by the time that came out. Man, Xavier is really but, powerful. This is my takeaway from this one. <laughs> but you know what's good about New Mutants? Anya Taylor no. Joy got her comic book thing out of the way, and now she can just do whatever. You know what? You're right. I stand corrected. It's the best thing that came out of New Mutants. When Marvel comes calling, she'll be like, "Oh, I'm not doing one of those again. Sorry." That does look painful, as far as Wolverine just sticks all of his claws inside of you to like make a point. Yeah. Be home for the comedy marathon. As Cox continues talking to him with his huge chin. <laughs> it's funny, like Brian Cox is one of those guys that has just always looked old. Yeah. yeah. Like even in, in, in uh Manhunter, it looks like he has this like dyed black to hide his gray hair slicked back. He's got a lot of city miles. Yeah. 
what he should be talking <laughs> about to Logan, by the way, is like, how did you not find us? Like, we were right here. <laughs> There's a dam. I mean, what do you think? Where do you think we would be in the woods somewhere? There's a dam right here. Like, this is where we'd be. You'll never be as special to me as Roy and Ken or Roman and Kendall. Ever. Maybe more than Shiv. He would just say that Maybe casually Shiv, yeah. just to piss her off. Thank you, Captain Exposition. <laughs> He's really making it clear. One of you will die and come back in the next movie. <laughs> Yeah, like in watching these superhero movies back then, like this, you you got the feeling like also that they truly weren't afraid to kill someone off if they were going to. Like so, every like finale gave a sense of stakes and anticipation that they might actually do that. Now they're too afraid. Like, or there's so many weird reasons that they could come back instantly. You know, it it wasn't that feeling back then with these. There's a multiverse. You know, it's just a version of them. Yep, just a version of them or magic well, something. Part of it is stuff. these franchises weren't meant to be going on forever and ever. So you yeah. use a you know antagonist, that antagonist gets their movie and they die at the end. Mm-hmm. And in the next movie, you have a different antagonist. To be right. fair, I mean, for every Loki, there's still like five Marvel villains that have died or just one offs. It's not like Kate Blanchett's been coming back yeah. over and over again. The dark Alas. Guy. Um, I believe the idea is that Jean Grey was also supposed to be blind for a while after the fight with Cyclops, and they deleted that. So she's still like oh. she still kind of wanders around as like she's acting, but they just don't reference the fact that she can't see because they deleted oh. that. They deleted like, that little bit out. Just like um, Bella Lugosi in uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. Just like that. Or meets a wolfman. Yes, exactly like that. Now, realistically, if the entire world suffered a a crazy mind attack on the entire in the same day, Mm -hmm. I I, probably be a lot of legislation going on (laughs) at that point. Yeah, it's it's you know, I have very you know as I, I I. I think this would be the end of mutant kind as a species, unfortunately. That bill would get signed so fast for registration. <laughs> Which makes me think something worse had to have happened by the time Days of Future Past rolls around, right? Because right. Peter Dinklage and the Sentinels are like, oh, we got this. <laughs> we got this covered. Like the third one, they're still being reasonable. It's like, yeah, we made an optional cure. <laughs> we, can, we can do that. Peter Dinklage, who evolved from Bill Duke. Yeah, that what I would expect. Yeah, that's creepy. Just a little kid hanging out in there. What's going on in this place? So again, Stryker assembled this. I guess he had the idea. It's like, well, first off, I need to get like a giant spherical room. 
So he didn't need Magneto for that, right? Then he had to get all the supplies, all the different mechanical things, all that from just talking sessions with Magneto in prison. Magneto's not suffering no fools, so he's just gonna kill Striker or whatever. <laughs> just like make it even worse. <laughs> ah, the one thing that can defeat mutants: the cold air. <laughs> beat Pyro. So Scott, this movie did significantly better than the first movie. This was a genuine breakout sequel. The first film opened to 54 million, legged out to 156 domestic and 299 worldwide on a 75 budget. This film opened with $85 million, which is one of the biggest, again, one of the biggest opening weekends of all time at that point. Uh, it would leg out to about 215 million domestic, and I believe 415 worldwide on a 110 budget. Um, the first X-Men had made fi the 54 million opening. That was, I think, the fifth biggest opening ever and the biggest non-sequel ever at that time. Um, the 85 million launch for X2 was behind Spider-Man, um, Harry Potter and the, and the Brewster's Stone, Harry Potter and the, uh, Chamber of Secrets, and that was it at that time. Now, two weeks later, Matrix Reloaded would open to 91 million in the Friday to Sunday portion of a $134 million four-day opening, which was a record. Um, so yeah, this was a huge, huge breakout success. Um, and 2003 was like a huge summer in general, right? There was just nonstop blockbusters. Yeah, and, you had and Hulk. <laughs> and Hollywood Homicide, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, but movies we love is a different category. So. Yes, yes. Um, well, Hulk, I mean... It opened 62 in June, and that did break the record for a June opening weekend. Huge opening, but like one of the biggest drops of all time. Also, yes, right? that yeah. was back when 69% was a catastrophic drop. Um, now that's to no surprise, because the now. film got mixed reviews and was not super well. I mean, look, I, mean, I, I know it is ambitious and whatever, but critics didn't like it back then. Audiences weren't crazy about it back then, so the fact that it dropped like a stone was not surprising. I mean, the critics is negligible, but yeah, the audiences, what they're going to say about Hulk is that movie was long, had weird daddy issues, and it was long. Like, that's yeah. I think, the, the general word on that movie. Well, and we were building towards a thing where until, you know, until Iron Man, it was like, well, unless you're X-Men or Spider-Man, this Marvel thing's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, in a skewed way, Batman Begins being as good as it was gave the comic book subgenre enough of a lifeline to wait for 2008 when Dark Knight and Iron Man, you know, basically kicked off what was kind of sort of the interconnected era. Because the same summer uh, you get Batman Returns, you get Fantastic Four, which... You Batman Begins, it has, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, none of the comic book movies that came out in the 2000s got anywhere near Spider-Man. Any more than any of the comic book movies that opened in the eight in the nineties uh, got anywhere near the Batman sequels. Right. Um, regardless of how much the we first like Batman, some of these, regardless of how much we some of we Ninja like Turtles had oh, potential. Yeah. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> that, had well, that was a huge hit, regardless. Yeah, and yeah, quality notwithstanding. Um, 
but you know x-men came the closest in terms of being a comic book property that played like what back then was an a-level temple mm-hmm. yeah but they were certainly outgrossed by the likes of transformers pirates of the caribbean shrek harry potter lord of the rings etc 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 so the idea that comic book movies were this dominant unstoppable cultural force Honestly, it really didn't happen until, not to be cliche, but the Trump era, you know, 2016 onward. I mean, Avengers, though. Yeah, Avengers. But even that was sort of an exception to the rule. By in 2014, you had making more. I mean, Iron Man 3 made a billion dollars. I mean, yes, as did Frozen. And Thor had a huge blow up from, from Avengers. And it made less than domestically than the Hunger Games Catching Fire. They were huge hits, don't get me wrong. But the the idea of them as this un, you know, top of the food chain, nothing else could compare subgenre really was only of I would say a very small brief period of time. Um and that's fine. I, if you want, if you want to live at the time, was, I could accept that. But I also say like after Avengers, I mean you're you're still getting you were you were getting you were getting three Marvel movies a year at this point. Now, exactly. Right? But be, be, but yeah. before it was that you get Avengers, then you get Iron Man. You got you know, or I became like two, right? Because you got Iron Man in May, you got Thor in November. Yeah. You got Captain America in April. You got Guardians of the Galaxy in August. Like there, it was slowly expanding. So yeah, it still felt more yeah. special. Sorry, hold Yawning. Sorry, I mean, in the meantime, you still get. I mean, despite people blah blah blah, the DC movies are still making money. When yeah, yes, they are. Like DC was hit, and that was 2016 when that really started becoming a big deal because you had Man of Steel in 2013, and then Superman didn't open until three years later. And and again, whatever. I mean, it still made a lot of money. It did. It was a huge. It was commercially, it was a big hit. Yeah. Um. And that's one reason why the discourse around that is so weird, because objectively, these films were making a lot of money. But executives, I think, correctly knew that the bitter aftertaste was going to cost them. And it did with Justice League. Um, but that's a longer conversation for a different time. Um Talk about setting up a bit I, I, right here with Logan and mm-hmm. this kid with the tongue. <laughs> it's all the way from the beginning <laughs> of the movie. It's like, let's get that kid with the tongue in here so we can stick it out at Stryker by the end of it. I do like that that Stryker gets this weirdly protracted, non-comic book style death. You know, he doesn't fall off a cliff or get caught in an explosion. Yeah, he just he gets, slowly just gets his ass kicked over and over again well, it's he screwed over sort of so, expires he screwed, he screwed over so many people so it's like everybody yeah. has to get back at him first mm-hmm. before they get back yeah um i will say i think there's a genuine surprise like as much as we like, foreshadowed like gene having some kind of evolution i do think there's a good surprise nature to what's going to happen next here as far as the mm-hmm. X-Men are in some trouble. What's going to save them? And it's like, Jean's going to sacrifice herself uh, in order to save the rest of the team. Like, I don't think we're any of us are sitting there being like, Jean's definitely going to die in this sequence here. Yeah, and that was, you know, yeah. that was not in the comic book adaptation. Which is a good thing, because it came out before the movie did. Even the novelization of this movie was different. Like, specifically to hide this. Yeah. What did, what did that one do? I don't know, probably through the kid that changes channels or something out there. What if that was true? X X two X Men United, a novel. 
by John X Jet out of danger. <laughs> by by uh, what would be a fun author to put with that? Uh, J M Barry's X Men. J M Barry. Shack campaign for a role apparently. Huh? Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know, Jason. I don't know what you mentioned for. Yeah, can't pay for something. Striker. Yeah, Striker. Wolverine, you can't, you can't run out your destiny. Shadow Cat. He's a huge Shadow Cat fan. You can, you can do that. He's Nightcrawlers. I was in the in the Russian circus. To his credit, as little as James Marsden gets to do, he really reacts well to, you know, the love of his life dying. Like, he yeah. uh, he, he takes those scenes for all they're worth. So I think oh, yeah. cut him out of so many scenes, they had to let him give him time to rehearse and be perfect for those scenes. Got to come out of this movie. This is probably some good model work here. It looks like it, right? It looks good. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, as much as everybody likes to talk about James Marsden being underrated and undervalued, he's had a really fun career, and he seems to be pretty... And you know, happy in terms yeah. of his professional life. Well, the, I mean, the internet could talk about all the things they want to. Yeah. I don't think James Marsden wakes up, and goes, "Man, I'm so underused." Like, yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure he's happy with I mean, himself. <laughs> I don't recall a time since this where he's been, you know, underemployed in any way, shape, or form. No, he's like here, right here, 2012 to 2017. He's been in at least three, th- four things every year. I mean, like the yeah. guy's works. He's, <laughs> he's got a he's got a very like Chris Pineish career before Chris Pine. Kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, he doesn't have respected and enjoyed presence varies it. He's in blockbusters in non like he goes, he's never had to carry them. He goes to the big Superman movie and plays the boyfriend of Lois Lane. Rather, you know, like when Pine goes, you know, big superhero movie, he goes and plays the love interest in Wonder Woman. Like, it's just, yeah, you know, while he's been Captain Kirk already, so he doesn't have to be like every superhero or whatever. Oh, he's you, the you nephew know. of Perry White in uh, Superman. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, I didn't know. Right. I, I didn't recall that he was related to Perry White. I remember that, not that now. It, not that it matters. It's unlike J. Jonah Jameson, who's like my son, the astronaut. Every scene he gets inside. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good scene with her, like killing, like letting herself go, and everything. Mm-hmm. And they put the fire around, like you know, it's like the Phoenix thing, or at least comic fans know the Phoenix thing's going to yeah. happen. But it's like they they do it well. And even this stuff works with him and Jackman, where it's like it's got to yeah. be Jackman that he's responding with. Now it's cut to shots of random kids that we don't know. Scott, not in front of the kids. Not and Jubilee kids. somewhere in there. I do. I always like how they dress up the ex kids that they look fairly non, you know, non different. And then Jubilee's like, and there's me, yellow jacket, glasses. <laughs> I actually look like my cartoon counterpart. Don't forget about Jubilee, guys. Spoiler: They forgot about Jubilee. Yeah, they're really going for that bittersweet ending. Everybody's not happy. They got out of there. Yeah, but they lost one. It works. Yeah. Real Boromir ending. <laughs> Although they recovered really quickly from Boromir dying. They all seem pretty happy after the end of that thing. <laughs> 
They didn't really like Boromir all that much. Well, they had to get a move on it, too. Yeah. Dude wouldn't take a helicopter. He tried to climb the mountain himself because he hates heights. What a weakling. <laughs> get some West Wing action going from the back rather than the front. <laughs> X-Men, too political. I wish when they did this whole freezing sequence again. With the, by the way, we could talk about the, how this works, because I have no idea how this stuff works as far as cameras and freezing time goes. Um, but <laughs> what if they like Xavier gets there with all the X-Men? It's like, hey, we're going to talk to you, Mr. President. And he brings out Nightcrawler. Right now, Nightcrawler still has the knife that says Mutants Forever or whatever. And it's like, ah, <laughs> we're just, just kidding. <laughs> just, you know, remember from a couple days ago. But that's not why we're here. Like maybe, but, maybe don't bring him along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember TV Kid at the beginning? He's probably doing this stuff. No, oh, they referenced him. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. they referenced TV, him in the scene. Yeah, TV Kid, and then you know the the slowing a time isn't slowing a time. He's just clouding their minds. I, I get that. I'm just like, <laughs> at what level is this going? So and like, the they, storms doing that stuff outside for ambiance. Like did they, which is again weird as far as people outside. It's like, what the fuck is happening out here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, again, not to be annoying, but like he's about to make a big, you know, scary speech. Time freezes, and then never mind. Mutants are friends now. Like so, like people at home now are watching like just a blank monitor, I suppose. Yeah, like you know, it's technical difficulties, and when they come back, never mind. Mutants are cool. Tonight on Tucker Carlson. The mutants, your kids are probably watching them. <laughs> we, 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 don't do talk about, we don't. We don't talk about canceled TV shows on this podcast. You'll be. You'll uh, be. You'll be working with some of them as well, and everybody says this is fine. It's not, but they're going to tell you it is, and they're going to push you out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so it's frozen everybody in the room. All they're they're all mimes, by the way. That's how they do this freezing sequence. They hired a lot of mime actors to just be still. And good That's on that Yeah. This one's called Nightcrawler. He can go into your house through the wall. <laughs> he can also go into your work and take your job. Good on Xavier for going on hard facts to convince the president of what to do here. It's like, yeah, what a fantasy. <laughs> I'll just give you a document that says everything that Stryker did badly. <laughs> You can tell the gardener to take the day off because I just watered the plants. <laughs> Lost on both sides. He should have did it like C-3PO in Return of the Jedi and just recapped everything that happened at X2 leading up to this moment. <laughs> Gosh, it a boo! <laughs> Will you speak English? Striker, Logan, you're bad. <laughs> Go to dam. Oh, nobody there. Go back to dam. Oh, people there. That's it. I mean, as much as he's making a good case as far as here's indisputable proof that mutants are not the problem, he also he's did make scary. this moody setting yeah. where like, everything's They're going to be dark. terrifying. Yeah. yeah. You know, we'll be watching is not exactly the... The, uh, the guy that nearly killed me is hanging out in the corner. <laughs> Ma Magneto's Again, like... Leave Ma him at home. <laughs> Magneto's like, not the move I'd gone for, Charles, but. <laughs> and then he's, the president transforms its mystique the whole time and they wasted all their efforts. <laughs> I 
this is 2003 so they're going for like an in-between as far as the the whole clinton bush situation goes i guess as far as the president they want to yeah. have mm-hmm. it's a fairly non-entity i suppose yeah. i mean it's 2003 so it's two years after 9-11 yeah he's not too hillbilly so yeah, I mean they're rarely like exact analogs, but there's, there's big hair Wolverine. Yeah, here, yeah, there's definitely big hair Wolverine. They forget to include him during this scene, or maybe they <laughs> shot one with Gene already there. Or, yeah. That could be. Yeah, we're gonna actually leave her dead. Sure. No, right, right now Xavier is like, well, she's dead, and that's just what happened. And the next movie is like. <laughs> Yeah, she probably survived because of that that uh, cocoon that she wrapped herself in of energy based yep. off, you know, the stuff I did for mine when she was a young child. Forgot to mention that part, but, you know, things happen. A lot of, a lot of kids in the school. Oh, there's Cubmore. Gotta get him in there one last time. Well, he has, yeah, he has advanced whatever they do. and I don't know what class this is where they have, like, <laughs> yeah. multiple age groups walking into Xavier's office. He was clearly the oldest one in that <laughs> yeah. age group. He, well, as we know in Deadpool, he's not exactly the brightest bulb, so maybe uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's been held back a lot. Huh. I mean, the biggest thing he does in the next movie is like steal like Pyro's T or some Rogue's TV, right? <laughs> Bring it to his room. <laughs> Let me tell you about my friend Moira. Hello, Moira. I guess one mutant is just that she has a twin. Like that's her power. <laughs> There's two of them. Ah, these will make fine child soldiers. <laughs> That's the wheels way. <laughs> make it so. I like. I'm sure I pointed this out in the first one, but the fact that he calls them, we, they, he makes one of them saying "wheels" oh my is, God, my, is my so favorite good. joke in the X Men movies. It's so good <laughs> to the point where I wish what that he, what he wheels? gets back is like, "Is wheels here?" <laughs> Isn't the girl to like sit next to him? Jubilee. That's Jubilee. Yeah. Just yes. by cre- by credit only. <laughs> by, by credit, the fact that she's like the only like one of the only Asian X Men characters. <laughs> yeah. And you, so we spoke about you spoke about the finality of like part three by calling it the last stand and all that. It is weird that the second movie just has the same narration at the end from the first movie, right? It's like right, gotta write yeah. something else, maybe. <laughs> well, again, if I if I recall, that's how Wrath of Khan ended, where you have mm-hmm. dead Spock basically giving the narrate, you know, the setting us out, so to speak. So there was like. Uh, that wasn't the original intention with the cut of Wrath of Khan, but they decided to leave the door open anyway with yeah. him and then added, it was, I think it, it was last minute that they came up with Nimoy saying it at the end over mm-hmm. Shatner because they offered a directing deal for him and he was like, hmm. Interesting. Give, give me a call. But I know that the ending as we have it with Wrath of Khan was not the intended one but i think i don't think it went out like test screening any other way i think it just was editing room and let's leave the door open and i don't know if there's been any Leonard like say it. sorry no you're fine i don't know if there's been any like post theatrical tinkering with the cg or whatnot but that uh that final shot of the phoenix coming out of the or like nearly coming out mm-hmm. of the water 
it feels pretty obvious now. Well, maybe it was because I expected it, but it goes on longer than I remembered. I thought it was like mm. pretty quick, but it's like that's a full like five seconds of you seeing something clearly under the water. But I remember back oh, in yeah, the day. I, mean, yeah. I, I remember back in the day that people were like, "Wait, what?" Like I didn't realize that or something. And it's like I don't know. Like I watched it on my small TV compared to the very large screen I saw it on. It's like it's not hiding it. Like it's right. not making it less obvious. We all knew back. Yeah, you know, yeah. It it was pretty apparent when we saw this on opening. By the way, I assume we all saw this on opening weekend, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Friday, the Friday or Thursday. I night. saw it. For, yeah. for, I yeah. saw it first showing of the Friday. Um, but yeah, we were, I mean, excited. we were excited to see it. It was, it was, oh, yeah. it was a fun thing yep. to be like, yeah, X2, let's do this. I like <laughs> I like the X-Men. <sighs> and it had like what the widest release of all time at that time, too. Like it was uh, yes, like a ton of screens everywhere. No room for daddy daycare. Did it screen early? I assume it must have, right? Did it like have like... uh I wasn't cool enough to be at those screens? I know you so weren't, sure. yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as old as you are, I know you, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I assumed it probably screened like, cause the ratings were strong and I think they knew what they yes. had. Right. Yeah. I remember reading, you know, early reviews on the nerd sites, eight of cool news, dark horizons, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember like Ebert and Roper at the time too, they gave like a whole, like two segments to X2. Like, and they, you know, Ebert didn't like the first one, but he liked no. this one a bit, bit more. And I think he liked Last Stand too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. Well, this just... And he's like me that I think you know the, the cure stuff is the stuff that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't give a shit about Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, this this movie feels just complete. Like it doesn't feel like you were left out anything or hoping anything for next time, where they were limited by anything. Like I feel like you got a complete X Men movie here. Like even though Cyclops in there, you get to see him shoot his laser eyes everywhere cry about gene fight you know have a little with wolverine and, and go to town but like yeah it feels like everything was laid out here on the table well that's the thing like what helps is that hugh jackman is such a fun presence to have on your movie mm -hmm. so you can get away with the fact that it's way overemphasizing the guy with the claws over all these other interesting characters <laughs> so the fact right. that it can juggle all that well and still make room for fox's big deal new movie star that's a very impressive thing to do and do effectively, let alone do it multiple times. But that, that is like, I remember that was Ebert's big complaint. Uh, it's like, we have all these characters. I don't know how we're juggling all of this, but like the movie works well enough. I just don't know why the guy off the claws gets so much attention. <laughs> it's like, shouldn't it be the lady that controls the fucking weather? Yeah, <laughs> that was his big thing. It's like, she yeah, no, I, I was paraphrasing him. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, no Oscars for this movie. No Oscar noms for this movie. Um, despite the fact that the special effects are pretty strong. But that's what that's when they still only did like three at a time. And mm -hmm. Pirates won this year for sure. What else? If it didn't, Matrix probably would have. Matrix yeah. didn't get any nominations. So I'll do. That was the other thing. Huh. Reloaded and Relive Revolutions shut out completely of the Oscars. Wow. No technical awards whatsoever, which was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what did Warner Brothers do bad to do those visual effects? Like, <laughs> as, much as, as much as people might not like the sequels because how wrong they are, it's like that they didn't they did not the earn what they did. The problem, yeah, yeah. yeah. The technical credits are so spectacular. I mean, especially in hindsight, it's kind of insane that none of the Transformers films won a special effects Oscar. Well, Scott, I don't know if you know this, but the Golden Compass, the movie we still talk about to this day, <laughs> <a polar> <laughs> <laughs> huh. 
speaking of insane Oscar wins, or, or maybe not. Maybe that's a you know it's such an out there win that it shows the voters actually watch the movies. I don't know. I think well, I mean it's all about the presentation they do for them. I'm sure as far as campaigning or whatnot but my my secret thought has always been that the reason michael bay did four other transformers movies because he wanted to get one to win an oscar and he just couldn't pull it <laughs> off so he kept doing it hoping that one of them would win the t- technical award <laughs> and he is finally that, is that he, not he, the definition of insanity he finally threw in the towel mm. after the last night he was like fine geez you don't want to give me anything for these damn transformers movies i'll let someone else do it what else was it though? So 2003, that's Pirates wins for sure. What other best visual effects would there be? Best visual effects, Oscar. What's that summer? Hulk? Is Hulk get an Oscar nomination? Oh, fucking Return of the King. Of oh, course. yeah. Return yeah, of yeah. the King. Duh. Duh. <laughs> and so that wins then. Pirates doesn't win. Pirates doesn't win. Dead Man's Chest gets the win because that movie fucking rules. Uh, so that, yeah, that yeah. gets the win. Pirate, yeah, Vis- Return of the King, obviously. What's the other one? Aviator? Uh, Is it Aviator? It's got Master and Command? Master Commander. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> there? This is a great year for visual effects. Good yeah. Boats on the water. If back then, every year was a great year for special effects. Those I mean, looking at these nominees, I mean, you had you know, 2001 was Fellowship of the Ring, AI, and Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. 2000 was Gladiator, Hollow Man, and Perfect Storm. Hollow um, Man. And, you know, Spider-Man 2 wins the next year, along with against Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and I, Robot, which has terrific special effects. King Kong rightfully King Kong. wins 2005, yeah. Although, you know, I wouldn't have been sad if War of the Worlds won. Uh, but yeah, 2000, yeah. 2007, this is just insane, though. Pirates really of the is. Caribbean at World's End, which has... what The last what? film won. <laughs> and Transformers, which, yes... Ridiculous. Whatever you want to say about both of those movies, as ridiculous as they might be, they convince you that there's robots that are transforming into things, right? That the there's twin pirate ships and a cyclone circling around. And Who's David looking at Jones. the golden compass and being like, "Yeah, but those polar bears had that fight." Then, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you know, which seems like a you know metaphor for the entire year. Two thousand eight is a dark night. No Iron Man. Nope. Curious case of Benjamin Button? Fuck yeah. <laughs> to be fair, those are really good effects. Oh, they are. They are. <laughs> and that's being the, a dick. I know. And that's a best picture. It has the most nominations. Yeah. So it's like, that's naturally going to go towards that. Movie. Yeah. At least it didn't get best. I, I guess, you know, if there have been five that year, maybe the reader would have snuck in. I don't know. The reader definitely ah. had the, the best visual effects you've ever seen. Uh, X2 oh. did get eight Saturn Award nominations, though, including a win for Where best like, film or something. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, the Saturn Awards, they loved X2. They ate it up. I think they're a month off from, like, the MTV Movie Awards, though, so they fell out of that competition pretty quick. Hmm. You mean Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Romain, and Bumke Jensen didn't get Best Kiss nomination? It'd be, you beat, I, I feel like if, because they do they did those awards in, like, June or something. I know you're kidding, mm-hmm. but, like, if that movie came out at a different time, probably would have gotten there. The tent scene would have been in there. Uh, the one X-Men movie that got nominated for Best Special Effects was Days of Future Past Days in 2014. Yeah. To be fair, there were five nominees. And it does have good special... I mean, the visuals are... I mean, these movies oh, yeah, are yeah. like they're good visual effects. Yeah. Like, like, that's the other thing with X-Men The Last Stand. That movie has like an insane budget because they had to both make good effects and do it very quickly. Like, yeah. They had to really rush it. Which, that was a weird time where you could rush effects and still get good results compared to now. <laughs> 
because I mean, I think simplistically speaking, you had fewer films that were expected to level that scale of effects. Yeah. It was oh. just, it was the last stand of the Da Vinci code. That's all you had to worry about back. <laughs> As we wrap this thing up, cause we've gotten to the end of X2. Now I just want to ask, where does this, where does X2 like rate for you guys, both as far as X-Men movies go and just in like comic book movies in general. Um, X-Men, it's a coin toss between this and first class for first place. Mm-hmm. Comic book movies again. I think it. I think it's up there. I think, you know, I, I think the first act of this film is one of the best first acts of any comic book superhero movie. Period. Even today, even you know, twenty years later, it just it it so encapsul- encapsulizes what I wanted from these big screen adaptations, which is all of the characters we know interacting, having well-written, well-acted conversations in ways that move the plot forward, and then boom, a big action scene that feels like a comic book come to life to cap it off. Um, Brandon, how I about think, you? Yeah. I, I, it's up there, um, both X-Men. Like, I, I'd say it's in my favorite X-Men movies with, like, X2, First Class, um, the Wolverine, Logan, and you know, I, I do like Days of Future Past too. So I, I would say it's it's in there, probably in the top of them. Um, just don't want to make that decision today. But when it comes to favorite superhero movies, it's gonna move up a, probably ahead of a lot of MCU movies and stuff like that. A majority of them, I just I don't know. This movie's wowed me first and has been with me longer, so that's probably a factor to it. Um, plus, it's just darn good on its own. Yeah, there's not much difference for me either. I, I do this is my this is my favorite X Men movie. I I don't have any coins to flip here. I'm just like yeah. Though I, I firmly say I think X two just rocks top to bottom. Yeah. Um And yeah, on the like, you know, if you're asking me what are my favorite superhero movies of all time, I'm hard pressed not to include this in like the rambling list that I make. That's in among the first few choices because I do think it. As far as like encapsulating what I want from a comic book movie, I do think X two accomplishes that very well. Right. And like if you tell me 10, I'm talking about this one in the yeah. conversation when I'm trying to make up my 10. For sure, because there's certainly plenty of really good comic book movies at this point. But like, I mean, it's that that spirit that I feel is there as far as this that separates mm-hmm. a movie like this or Superman or the Raimi Spider-Mans from a lot of the others. It's just Hell like boys. A, Tell, honestly, yeah, I mean, Hellboy, yeah, for sure. I mean, Hellboy I mean, two, Jesus, Hellboy like, two is in my like top five conversation. Yeah, it's yeah. just like there's there's so much going on there as far as a director and his team that want to like do something that both matters to them cinematically and as well as satisfying what somebody would want out of bringing this kind of thing to life. I do think X two very much accomplishes that, and I, I think it's it's still from an era where you were trying to make something new and different and interesting with these characters. And now I think super simplistically speaking, we're in kind of, when it comes to these franchise titles, kind of in a don't fuck it up era Uh where the most important thing is to not do certain things wrong, regardless of what you do. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's also coming in an era where the, one of the earlier things were the sequels generally being accepted as upon release better than the predecessor um, was more rare. Yeah, yeah this so was this sort of the first. This sort of began a mini wave of 
sequels, A, breakout sequels, B, sequels to hard genre films being expected to be better than the first one. Yeah. You, you say that, and it's like we talk about how Blade predates X-Men. I'd say Blade 2 predates this movie in that regard as well. I know people Yes. Like, I know many, including you, Brandon, like Blade mm-hmm. 1 over Blade 2. I, yeah. th- I think it's a little bit splitting hairs. I think they're both just really good. But Right, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could say there are people that think Austin Powers 2 is better than 1. I think they're insane, but that is a, an opinion that's out there. Um, and yeah, I, I would say Austin Powers' Spider Shag me sort of kicked off the modern era of, it was maybe for a decade, give or take, of, of breakout sequels, mm-hmm. where that kind of performance on a relative scale was almost par for the course. Or maybe you scream too. I don't know. That's a, you know, yeah. You know, that's funny. If you scream too, would sort of be the unofficial kickoff to an era where sequels are better than the original because that's sort of what the movie's about. Yeah. Well, it just further supports our theory that Scream Two is top to bottom one of the best things that's ever happened to horror films. I mean, that's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with all that said, that's going to do it for our X Two X Men United commentary track. Uh, Brandon, where can people find more of you online? Oh, yeah, you can find uh, me at Brandon4KUHD on Instagram and Twitter. I have written stuff at Why So Blue, but you can check out this group of people who just talked about a 2003 film talking about a decade earlier's summer of films of the summer of 93 at 30 on the Brandon Peters Show, uh, which is BrandonPetersShow.com. And anywhere podcasts are found, uh, it's Scott, Aaron, and I talking about all the films that came out in the summer of 1993, week by week, as well as all the pop culture happenings during that week as well. The, the sliver discourse will blow your mind. <laughs> it will. It's coming up. Uh, Scott Mendelson, we'll find more of you online. Uh, TheRap.com, as well as on Twitter for now, haha, at Scott Mendelson. And I can be found on my personal blog at CodeZ.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm writing for We Live Entertainment for movie reviews, Blice of Blue for movie reviews. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. This podcast can be found everywhere you can find podcasts. And yes, of course, please listen to the summer of 93 at 30 featuring Brandon, Scott, and myself over on the Brandon Peter Show. Uh, lots of fun doing those. Just as much fun as it was doing this commentary track. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. Next month uh, for June, we're going to be talking The Mask of Zorro. It's 15th anniversary. Another movie that is very exciting. Sorry, 25th anniversary. Um, And yes, uh, that's going to be an exciting one to talk about as well. Uh, But yeah, that's going to do it for this commentary track. Thank you, Brandon and Scott, for joining me for this X2 commentary. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. And yeah, until next time, so long and goodbye. (laughs) 